we rolling? We are now rolling. Yes. Alberta <laughs> Filmmakers Podcast. Me, 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 me. Okay, anytime. Hey, welcome back to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Thanks for joining us again. My name is Matt Waterworth. And I'm Scott Westby. And we're from Full Swing Productions. In every episode, we bring you news, tips, and interviews from the film, video, and digital media landscape in Alberta. Yay! Yay! And it's Christmas time. This is our first Christmas episode. We get to do like a Christmas episode, uh, even though it's of a podcast. Um, lots of fun Christmassy things to talk about. Totally. Yeah. Especially uh, films like uh, that, have, that have shot here. Are we talking about that now? Am I jumping? Let's, into let's jump right into it. No, let's okay. stop. Okay. Stop recording. Oh, I don't mean stop recording. No. Oh. I mean, <laughs> let's let's talk about Christmas. What's What, what do you like about oh, Christmas? Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Jape, the chit chat. Um, what do I like about Christmas? Um, I don't know. I have a, kind of a love-hate relationship with Christmas. I find appeal in both like enjoying it and also hating it. Like the, so, yeah, like the anti-hipster, like <laughs> I'm like the commercialization ultimate, of Christmas yeah, stuff. Like, yeah. Like the ultimate bandwagon or whenever it's cool to, to like or hate something, I'll, I'll just do that. I'll just go with the crowd. I have no mind of yeah. my own. I, I dig Christmas, even the commercialization of it. Honestly, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm like the, the Disney fan who likes Disney magic and I haven't been, you know, oh, stupid money, blah, blah, <laughs> which I totally understand. Um, but it's just not my thing. So yeah, I dig the, the magic of Christmas and I, I buy into it pretty totally, hard. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It depends on who I'm with. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. <laughs> and then if, if I were hating Christmas, I'm into that too. Um, it so, does suck to be in like the crowds. I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. It is kind of stressful for sure, but it's kind of my own fault, right? Like I could have finished my Christmas shopping online a month ago if I wanted to, which, which Briar did. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> she's yeah. on top of it. She actually makes me more on top of it. <laughs> Good. Um, Cause I'm a last minute kind of guy myself too. Do you still have shopping? I have, I have a little bit of shopping left, mm. but I'm mm. pretty much done. Presents are wrapped. I'm I feeling did, good. I did better than I've ever done this year, but I still have one or two, but yeah. Sweet. So let's talk about some, uh, some Christmas movies that were filmed um, in Alberta. We'll just go through these real quick. Um, and we're going to laugh at ourselves a little bit cause it's the season of self-reflection and Realizing that we don't always produce the best stuff. Yeah, but, not uh, every movie shot in Alberta is uh, Jesse James. <laughs> so let's go through it. Uh, the first one is uh, that was shot in Alberta is called I'll Be Home for Christmas, uh, starring Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Jessica Biel. JTT, 1998. 98. So Rotten Tomatoes gives this one a, a scorching 23%. <laughs> um, and a quick synopsis for those interested. Jake Wilkinson is a self-absorbed college student who, just days before Christmas, awakens to find himself stranded in the middle of the California desert, wearing a Santa suit and a white beard glued to his face. How did that happen? Crazy shenanigans, I'm sure, <laughs> ensue. Now, okay, so take take into consideration that Christmas movies in general aren't always the highest reviewed. Right. This but, is true. Uh, well, they're usually the, the straight to TV. Yeah, for sure. For for sure. Um, like 12 Men of Christmas starring uh, Christian Chenoweth. I, I, I remember when this was shot not, not too long ago. A friend of mine was the tw- one of the 12 Men of Christmas. And, uh, and I think, I feel like Patrick Creary was in it too, maybe somewhere. Maybe not. I don't know. He's been in a lot. It's he's, yeah, yeah. He's definitely in a Christmas movie. Patrick, um, let us know if you were in this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this one is about a headstrong and popular New York City publicist who seemingly has the perfect life, a beautiful condo, a loving fiance, a great job, and an excellent boss. But she, uh, but her world takes a turn for the worse when she catches her fiance, Noah, having an affair with her boss, Lila, Lila, at the office Christmas party, resulting in her breaking Lila's expensive Gucci pump shoe and breaking off her engagement with Noah. Oh, man. 
but I, but where's the part where she travels to Alberta to date twelve men? Oh, I don't know. I guess that I guess they leave the Alberta part out of it. But she does date twelve men <laughs> of Christmas. Um, also shot here, uh, which I didn't know about until just now, is the Santa Claus two and three. Supposedly the that's uh, crazy. I had no the North idea. North Pole yeah. scenes, I guess, were were shot here. Uh, huh. Of course, starring Tim Allen. These are some of the better Christmas movies. Um, except for maybe the Santa Claus two and three, um, Santa <laughs> Claus two, where he has to find Mrs. Claus. Mm, yes. Um, got 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't even know it went to three and yeah, three, which is Martin <laughs> short. And he's like, um, Jack Frost. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, Martin short's always great, but he is great. Yeah. Um, um, and actually I really like Tim Allen. I have more respect for him now. I told you, I just watched galaxy quest again. Oh yeah. What the, a great he's movie. awesome. Yeah, he's, he he's is actually awesome really for sure. Good. Uh, and I'm sure he made a good chunk of change on the Santa Claus three, even mm. though it got uh, 15% Ouch. on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so that's how that goes. Uh, and then there's another uh, interesting one. It's kind of a, I mean, we were, we were joking about it when we were talking about it, but it's actually, I think trying to be a really like goofball comedy, Santa sleigh. Yeah. It's like uh, a cult. It's a cult Santa yeah, horror exactly. movie. Yeah. It's got Goldberg, the wrestler Goldberg, who seems to have gone away entirely since then. This was 2005, uh, Sa- playing Santa Claus. Uh, and Santa is actually a demon who lost a bet with an angel, so he becomes the giver of toys and happiness. But when the bet is off, he returns to his evil ways, and uh, he just goes on this murderous rampage. It's <laughs> it's great. There's there's a moment I've actually seen this, and and, and I'm excited to find out it was shot in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, he walks into a strip club, and there's all these kind of strippers walking around with drinks, and he goes ho ho hoes, <laughs> and. Uh, it's just the best and i mean it's one of those one of those awful movies that's just fun to fun to watch and have fun with so definitely check it out um also shot here um were the santa baby movies yeah um with jenny mccarthy uh no reviews on rotten tomatoes um take that as you will uh but mary class is a high-powered businesswoman with her own marketing firm as well as secretly being the daughter of santa claus when her father falls ill near christmas she's forced to return to the north pole to take his place she employs her marketing and business management techniques to revitalize the workshop elves and reconnects with her lost love luke oh spoiler alert holy smokes yeah sorry guys santa (laughs) baby uh was a ratings hit for abc family um which made it at the time the most watched original movie developed for the channel Mm. this one's this is kind of funny so it doesn't have any reviews on rotten tomatoes but on wikipedia it says that review reviews were generally favorable the los angeles times called it a charming film Mike Hughes of the Gannett News Service said it was quite clever, and the New York Post, this is the best, gave it three stars, calling it a pretty nice movie. <laughs> so, congrats not, to the Santa Baby crew. Not bad crew. for a straight-to-TV to totally, movie totally. Yeah. Uh, starring Jenny McCarthy. Uh, and it's so good, in fact, they sequelized it. Also <laughs> shot in Alberta, uh, where Santa's in the midst of a, a late-life crisis. He's tired of the responsibilities of the job and is ready to pass on the reins of his business mind uh, to his business-minded daughter, Mary, who feels torn between the family business and running her own high-stakes firm in New York City. Along with balancing a relationship with the love of her life, Luke. So, apparently, that worked out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the situation Damn. gets increasingly dire when Terry, an ambitious new arrival at the North Pole, sows dissension at the workshop oh, in an no. effort to take over uh, Christmas. How can you take over Christmas? I don't know. Uh, however, it is revealed Terry is an elf, bitter at Mary, and was trying to take over Christmas. Okay. What? Yeah. All right. Good, uh, Good job. <laughs> but Mary manages to stop her and take care of the yearly rounds. So we're just spoiling like crazy. This is, yeah, pretty bad synopsis. Sorry, here. guys. Yeah. I don't even know how you could see this film actually now. Although, you know, I think Patrick Curry definitely was in Santa <laughs> Baby 2. No, he was he not. He was not? No, I don't think he was in this one. He was in that other one with J- that Jason Priestley directed that we should have on this list. Totally. A Christmas movie? It's a Christmas I'm movie. I'm sure I, it was Santa Baby 2. I believe. 
it's not Santa Baby 2. T- talk about Ebenezer while I check on this. Patrick tweeted us or something, and then we'll we'll let we'll let you guys know how this turns out, how this develops uh, on the social medias. No, no, I can. You, you talk about okay, Ebenezer. I'll, talk about, I'll bring uh, it up right now. All right. So there was a film in the '90s produced by uh, the Nomadic Pictures producers from Calgary, uh, Mike Frislev and Chad Oakes, called Ebenezer. Um, a Christmas Western filmed in Calgary. Go figure. So, uh, yeah, that one, um, I don't have much info on it. Christmas much Western. Fun. Yeah, Christmas Western. I actually kind of want to see that. That sounds interesting. Okay, so Dear Santa. Dear Santa. That's what I'm thinking about. Uh, and it's because, we, yeah, we, it, it's too recent, I guess, to have popped up on any of the, the searching we did. But, yes, Patrick Creary uh, is, like, fourth on the call oh, sheet on that, which is very cool. Yeah. Sorry, guys. And, uh, yeah, Priestley directed. Uh, it must be nomadic production as well, I would mm-hmm. think. Um, and I and it's on Netflix, I believe, actually. Um, so check that out. Dear Santa. Yeah. Amy Acker and Joss Whedon. Um, You're just saying names now. Cast member. <laughs> Amy Acker's the star. Yeah. And she's she's been in a lot of Joss Whedon stuff. Cool. Uh, Grant Harvey, who's a Calgarian director, though he's now living in Toronto, is enjoying a ton of buzz around this new film that he's done called uh, Christmas Horror Story, which is actually kind of blowing up right now. High school students investigate a mysterious homicide that occurred the prior holiday season a couple notices their young son is acting strangely after a snowy forest trip to cut down a traditional tree and one family are stalked through a winter wonderland by krampus is it like an anthology type yeah of? it, it sounds like there yeah, are different yeah, yeah. stories happening there. um yeah krampus is like this because there's also the movie called krampus with yes. a ton of brand name actors and yeah. uh but this one is yeah it's actually getting a ton of buzz it's got 76 on rotten tomatoes which is very good and um and shatner's in it yeah yeah, congrats to, to Grant and the team yeah, for, pretty, uh, for some great success. This. Pretty exciting. Yeah. So uh, let's move past Christmas and get into the news. Boom. Um, so if you're in Calgary and you know about M Media, the Video Production Society, uh, they've got some big changes coming next year. Um, and a lot of them are kind of falling in line with some modern business practices, which I'm stoked about. So they're consolidating all of their membership types into one membership, uh, which now only costs 20 bucks a year. Uh, they're also including a subscription model for equipment rentals. Uh, this is interesting and, and something that I've... Have you heard of this before? No. Um, so yeah, it's like an unlimited all-you-can-rent um, subscription model that you can uh, kind of buy in two-month or six-month increments. Hmm. Um, so they've got a ton of uh, information coming out in the new year about how that's going to work and they've got some info sessions. So if you're in Calgary uh, and you want to try out this kind of new model, uh, definitely check Media out and... Uh, keep tabs on on when those announcements come down the pipe yeah i like the sound of that that seems it's kind of cool yeah and it's more about experimentation i think they're trying to encourage people to really use the crap out of some of their gear so um golden globe announcements came out and uh alberta is lucky enough to have received quite a few uh at least on projects that were shot here um four nominations for the revenant uh three for fargo uh, so congrats to the Alberta crews who worked on those shows. If you haven't seen Fargo yet, definitely check that out. Scott wrote this for me. I haven't seen it. You must see it, Matt. <laughs> I must. It's I like must. the best. It's it's some excellent television for it's sure. A, I, all I hear is that it's like the best show on TV. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And, and we're just so, so proud that it was shot in Calgary. I mean. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like congrats and, guys for. Well, that's the other yeah. news is that the Noah, I'm forgetting his last name, the showrunner. Yeah just said there's every there's intention to come back uh, for season, for season three, three yeah. in alberta which is exciting I, just even just to have a winter project <laughs> in calgary when we usually shut down is just yeah fantastic it's so. a good point yeah yeah um and of course the revenant um which had some pretty awful horror stories from production um is going to be huge for alberta so it's clearly going to be a best picture contender um yeah so, so. It, it might be it might be time to start saying how proud we are of it instead of maybe <laughs> well, how much yeah. of a nightmare it was well i mean there's no doubt that he's you know his argument is that 
he said in an interview somewhere, you know, yes, we could have shot this in a studio, but it would have been a different film. And I know you haven't seen Star Wars yet, but there's some on location shooting that happens in Star Wars. And you on can, Tatooine? Uh, well, I, yeah, <laughs> the real Tatooine. Yeah. Um, but you can compare that against what they did with the prequels that were in, in mostly, studio. Mostly. And there's you can just feel the audience knows. You know, it's true. It's true. So, I mean, that's his argument. I'm not going to take a side necessarily, but I, I think is the film better because because of it yes is it better because he there was maybe some some lines crossed I, maybe not um so we'll have to see we got to see the movie before we can let's see the movie it. and then let's talk <laughs> yeah, about yeah. whether or not we want to <laughs> be proud of it i <laughs> guess sure, sure. <laughs> um so in other news congrats to uh greg and colette jeffs who have won a thousand bucks pinch pitch consultation for their nsi features first project hidden star uh they'll be receiving some feedback some pitch practice time and prep on their family feature and and yeah i mean we need matt you and i need to get into the family film business it's true huge business and uh super exciting for these two if you look at the box office numbers family films do way more money generally Mm -hmm. i mean there are obviously big blockbusters that do great but um if you look at the the kind of the average the economics of it it's family films that do the best and this was something interesting we had this conversation at nsi about family films um how tough it is to to create a theatrical release for a family film Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because a people who have families generally live in less density areas like right. suburbs which are yeah. a lot more money to market to because mm-hmm. you just get less exposure on your billboards um, than you would in like a high density downtown core so they're farther away they're harder to market to and moms generally don't want to take a risk on a movie with their kids right so if they're going to drag all their kids out to a movie mm-hmm. maybe they have to take some time off from work or whatever it might be spend a lot of money on tickets um, they want to know it like that it's disney or pixar basically like they want to for know sure. my yeah, kids are going to love yeah. this movie yeah, for sure. so but i mean with netflix with having netflix, their own the kids section yeah that's the thing um that's how i mean yeah. it's way easier to just turn that on and you don't yeah. even have to rent go out and you don't have to leave the house at all anymore that's right you can just um, netflix and chill <laughs> not with your kids I don't understand what that saying is. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, uh, moving right on quickly. So the crowdfunding campaign's going on. Um, Conrad's son and Neil Champagne, some uh, some Calgary filmmakers. Um, although Conrad's in L.A. now. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, he's a Calgarian. He's a Calgarian, though, yeah. And he's, he comes back all the time. Uh, sure. They've launched a crowdfunding campaign through a new platform called Invest YYC. It's actually three years old, but um, it's kind of just starting to gain traction now. So their campaign is for a short film called Missed Connections. They're going until December 31st of this year. Um, and as of this moment, as we're recording this, they've raised over 16,000 bucks and are over 80% of the way to their goal. So congrats, guys. Um, keep pushing. Um, and you can check out that campaign at investyyc.com. And uh, if you don't know what investyyc is, it's pretty cool. It, it, it was developed by Calgary Arts Development. Um, and it's not like Kickstarter or Indiegogo where you can just kind of put it up. I mean, they have a vetting process, but... Uh, for Invest by YC, it goes through an application process through Calgary Arts Development first. So there's a, kind of a bit of a filter on quality there. Mm-hmm. Um, what's most interesting, though, is they offer charitable tax receipts to donors. So unlike most crowdfunding platforms, you can write off uh, what you donate through Invest YYC. So yeah, check them out, investyyc.com uh, and uh, find and it, out. And it's worth noting that there are two... Um, filmmaker-related projects that have already been through this this thing, I believe, yeah, right? Which right. is yeah. the, the Escape Room that Eric Boudreau and Paige Boudreau. Well, that was Alberta Booster oh, as well. Oh, different thing. Yeah, different right. thing. My bad, my bad. And is that true of the that documentary then, I guess, as well? I yeah, there was. There that's what I'm confusing. Projects, yeah. oh, okay, so Alberta Booster. Interesting. Okay, so Invest YYC, maybe it is newer 
to me. Well, Wait, what about Todd Kipp? What about him? I don't know. I just Googled. Uh, you just you, you're literally just <laughs> throwing names live. On the yeah, well, Todd Kipp uh, did something with. Uh, uh, we might apply to an invest YYC campaign coming up. Crowdfunding is always tricky. Uh, so this is an interview with Todd, Todd Kipp in the Calgary Herald. Um, I don't know if he actually did end up applying, but um, lots of exciting stuff with Todd Kipp's uh, hugogram as well. Yeah, for sure. So while you're just saying names, why don't you say the name <laughs> of uh, the person who's on this podcast? Who do we have today? Uh, Adam Scorgi, who is um, just doing these crazy huge things. We met him at Banff just, just less than a year ago. And... Um, has just such a cool story it comes from Kelowna. We go into some of it, um, but the guy has kind of done the documentary. I mean, there've been a few, but the, he's kind of done the documentary on uh, marijuana and marijuana culture um, called Culture High. Uh, and he kind of had great timing when he did that and, and ended up get, gathering this big audience uh, around that movie and, and then ended up parlaying that into a, a crowdfunding campaign that that earned 140, I believe, thousand um, dollars, which has got to be the biggest Alberta project, certainly in the film world, I would think. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, though. Um, he's he's just a really cool dude and into some really cool stuff. And uh, we had a great chat. He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast twice. He's been in a Britney Spears music video. He's led an interesting life uh, and lots more going on uh, for him as well. So we talk about what he's getting up to later as well. Um, so enjoy this chat with Adam Scorgi. that world and okay. then got into podcasting and oh, now sweet. yeah they do a really good they have a lot of the same guests they've been on joe's podcast and stuff too nice nice but, okay so yeah. there's some crossover there. Interesting. Yeah. well yeah i mean like meeting you uh in banff was was like and just like you blew our minds like like the stuff you've done and and we don't know about it like, like so and I, and I feel like we do a kind of a shitty job of of promoting ourselves as an industry in yeah, general we've got so many amazing filmmakers doing some really incredible things like raising $240,000 on a Kickstarter campaign, uh, which we'll get into. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what, what spawned well, cool. it. I'm and glad actually, I, yeah. I'm glad it, because I, I agree. I think I was actually for a while, I was doing my own podcast just because the same thing, like mm -hmm. extra marketing and getting like, because there's no, the format that I love about podcasts so much versus everything else is that you get that long length, honest period yes, instead of yeah. like the bullshit on breakfast television totally, totally, where it's yeah. like, hey, so you're making a movie. Two minutes, that's great. Yeah. Let's show a clip and <laughs> yeah. crack a joke and that seems like an interesting <laughs> thing and let's move on, and right? See you where, later, it's like, yeah. where it's like, that sucks. Like yeah. I like the platform now of like, you know, maybe I'm not interested in the subject matter, but if I hear the filmmaker on like a great interview, like a podcast, I'm like, man, that guy sound cool as fuck. Yeah, like yeah, I want to yeah. check out his shit. And right? you can actually like, get to know someone. I mean, especially on, with Joe, three hours. Of, you can't like, fake you know, in the three hours. That's exactly, the thing. Yeah, like, yeah. You it's will not sound get to know who <laughs> yeah, someone yeah. is at the end of For two sure. hours, For right? Sure, like, yeah. and there's been a ton of people on there that. I hated them before the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then afterwards, I'm like, actually, that guy's fucking really cool, right? <laughs> or vice versa, where I'm like, right. I love this guy. And then afterwards, I'm like, man, he seems kind of fucking douchey. <laughs> like, don't like him at all. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, I, it, totally. And and his, I, I have uh, Jay Leno queued up. I haven't, good I haven't one. listened. Is good it? one, yeah. yeah. They go because really like... I don't feel great about Jay Leno right now. And and so maybe that'll, yeah, is it? It was a good one. Like they talked about just more about the stand-up comedy and everything else. It mm -hmm. was it was good. It was a like short though for Joe. I think it's only right. like two hours oh, okay. or something or mm -hmm. just under. They didn't go that long because right. Jay Leno had to go or whatever. But 
Are we recording now? We are recording, yes. Okay, cool. uh, sorry, that's a, that's a trick that I, I've learned from that's many fine. Other, Because <laughs> I, that's what happens, I, I, right? I don't shut up, so it doesn't matter for me. For but, me, it's really easy to continue doing that. Right, so. right. But that's what, like, Nerdist does that in WTF. And, yeah. uh, and that's the problem is when you're like, okay, we're recording, and then people are like, okay. And then they get all yeah. clammed up. Kind like, of. Yeah, well, if they, haven't, <laughs> if they haven't done podcasts before, but yeah. me, I've done them tons. <laughs> yeah, so true it's enough, like, true Well, that's a great... So, so how many episodes in are you guys in? This, well... I don't know where exactly this one's going to fall because I'm going to do a bunch of Edmonton filmmakers yeah. while I'm here. Um, but right now we've got five out and like 10 episodes of like just spotlight on Story Hive filmmakers. Okay, cool. So while the Story Hive thing was going on, I was like, come over to my house. Yeah, we'll record. I had so many people ask me to help promote their Story yeah, Hive. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I felt bad because I, like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to help you. And then I had like six other friends be like, help me, help me. I'm like, okay, man, my fucking social media <laughs> yeah. is going to be just bombarded with like, yeah. promote this one and this one and this one. Totally. So, yeah. So, I mean, it was good for the podcast too, right? Because yeah. full disclosure, it was good exposure for the podcast as well. So, because yeah. they're, they're all pushing so hard. But, uh, but yeah, so we got a bunch of those on and uh, yeah, it was cool, but they're way short, like some yeah. are six minutes. Yeah. Whereas this convo is kind of about forty five as well. Cool. I well that's that's my that's my more my length. All right, cool. I can't do the six minute ones. That's <laughs> not... <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, man, uh, just looking at your IMDb, I mean, I, I'm kind of like, I, I kind of want to start at the beginning with the union. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that really? But is that the beginning? I know a well, lot I'm of glad us. Glad you have. said because I thought you were going to crack a joke, or because I it, it still comes up today, or people are like, I see that you're in a Britney Spears music video, and I was like, damn, that one's still up there. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, I started long like I went to New York originally um, I went to acting school and film school I was in front of the camera but you were born in BC right born in BC yeah. oh yeah I'm from I'm born in Trail BC of all places right. and grew up spent most of my I'd say like I'm a uh, I'm a Kelowna boy because I went all through high school there and some of your most you know most memorable years of right. like high school and then, like when my dad died I, was, I moved back from New York and stuff like that but yeah uh, BC boy but I lived in Alberta till I was eight Okay. So I lived in Alberta till I was eight. Then I moved overseas. We moved to moved to Australia first. I lived there for almost three years, and then moved to Singapore. And then I moved back. I didn't okay. want to be overseas anymore. And I moved. I wow. went to live with my 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 biological father. I was with my mom and my stepdad. But how'd you get to Singapore? I just have to. Well, my my dad, there. my stepdad's actually from here. He's from Edmonton originally. Okay. So he was with Cameron Oil Industries, okay. which just got bought by Slumberjay now, I guess, oh, or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, he just kept getting promoted, so he got promoted to Australia and their uh, division there, and then he got promoted to Singapore. A lot of offshore wow. drilling there, right? Yeah, and then Malaysia yeah. and. I left before they went to Malaysia. I came back to Canada, and then that's when I lived with. I was twelve, and that's when you're legally allowed to like go live with your biological right, father, right? right? Gotcha. So I went and tried that, and then that's what brought me back to Trail, and then it was Trail briefly, and then we moved to Kelowna. Okay, cool, cool. So yeah, so I, I'm transit, but like my heart is in most places. Like moving back to Edmonton was not tough when. Mm. I mean, I got a job at Aquila, which is what pulled me out here. And then also my, my number one client is Super Channel and, and then, you know, the Alberta Film Commissioner. I, I just found that the culture industries in Alberta, even though it's a big like oil province, was mm -hmm. much more supportive. Like BC has just their like, if it's not X-Men, they're like, who cares about these little indie guys? That's right, what right. I felt anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard they've gotten better, but when right. I was there, like you know, what we'd accomplish with the union, we'd, we thought we'd done pretty well, like 33 international film festivals and we won tons of awards and we were three guys in a basement suite that had no connections, no connecting producers, no, like it was just us going out there. And this was there. with the union. And this was with the union, okay, wow. right? Nice. We did that. Like right. where even now I've seen other films that 
I thought were as great or better than the union, like getting rejected by all these festivals. Ones we've been in, and right. I was like, "What?" <laughs> right, right. Like, I was like, "It's crazy." The festival run, like I always like to tell young filmmakers if I can meet them, like, don't get discouraged on that, man, because it's it's weird that thing. Yeah, like yeah. festivals that you don't think you're going to get into, you get into, and then other ones that, like, oh, this one should be a shoe in. We went before, we were right. runner up for best film, we sold out, like blah blah, and they're like, no, we don't want your film. <laughs> you're like, really? So, yeah, I, I liken it to auditions often when, when yeah. you're, you know, you, you'll see a ton of great people, but they just might not be great for that particular moment. And you and you'll never know. You'll never know that. Right. Unless, and the thing is, and I know I went off topic there. It was Britney Spears video and all this thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, um, the other thing is with submissions. If you just look at how they work, you look at the big festivals, you get thousands of submissions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And who's getting in charge like they you sundance they said last year at twelve thousand. i think oh, they picked man. 200 films right wow. so who are the assistants that are like okay here's 40 for you yeah. here's 100 for you <laughs> yeah. right and like that's what i what we did last year and actually for the culture high almost all the festivals we got into were ones that i wrote the programmer just saying hey we're ah. getting close to submission time here's our teaser is this something you'd be interested in of course we're going to go through the regular things we're not asking for a free like because a lot of them will waive their submission fee be like no no i want to support the film sure. festival yeah, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't care about paying mm -hmm. i just want to make sure that it actually gets viewed right, and gets right. a fair shot yeah. right so there's that's a light way that idea. we wrote it so i just would and some of the bigger festivals they hide who their programmers oh, are yeah, yeah. so this is where my creative <laughs> hustle comes out so i called yeah. my my friends that were sales agents i'm like hey i know you must have a delegate list for the film festivals that you go to like sundance and they're like yeah, yeah. i'm like send it to me right they're like okay and it has almost all the programmers ah, emails right nice nice so then well i would done. send him a nice email just saying hey here's the teaser is this something you guys would be interested in if it is please let me know i'll send you you know the screener and submit through without a box the regular process and yeah. then some would waive the fees and some would be like yeah we are interested and i was like at least that or some would like usually the real big ones would just send you the generic please to submit to it without a box right, but right. then i'm like at least you've replied to me totally yeah you're on right? the radar saying, even more than other even people if, yeah, yeah even exactly, it's yeah. just that even if it's one percent more it's one percent more than submitting to without a box Smart. with ten thousand other people yeah, yeah. so i can give some advice to other filmmakers out there do that and do your research i mean idea. think about it i can't see how a programmer can't respect that you would take the time to find out who they are what their email is and then write like a really polite message just saying hey like would you be interested in this? Now, don't yeah. go to the next step and bug them. Like, why didn't we get submitted? Like, if you don't get <laughs> right, in, like, yeah, yeah. then you get yourself blacklisted. Yeah. Like, yeah. but and, and and out of all, almost all the film, because I think the the culture I did eight festivals. I think six of them I wrote, and like, nice. and literally the programmer of Rain Dance said, "Yeah, it was your email that really put oh, you really? on my radar." Wow, yeah, nice. and then we were nominated for best doc and everything. So that seems like such an easy, like, of course, but nobody does that. That's nobody, so smart. you just yeah. you're so used to without it. We didn't for the union. Yeah, we just yeah. sent it and then. The one thing is, is it, it seemed to happen with the union. There was one festival that we got into. I don't know which one, but one got in and then it seemed like they all started to come after that. Cause then after that, some, a whole bunch were approaching us. Right. 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 right? And then nice festivals are always fun, but they're also don't make or break your film. As right. we learned with the union after 33, like still no deal was in place. Right. Mm -hmm. We brought the deal outside of the festival. Wow. So hmm. oftentimes deals don't come at the festivals. Right. So, so was was the union the first kind of big that project, first, or did you do like yeah, some shorts beforehand? Or 
in before that I was just in front of the camera. So oh, I okay. did like I was basically a cardboard <laughs> box in the Britney Spears video. Okay. If I slow it down, you can like just see me crossing <laughs> and things like this, right? It's really but I at the time it was a big deal to book and then yeah. I did small gigs on soap operas and I went to I went in front of the camera. I was acting originally first. In New York. In New York, right. yeah. I went to Esper Studios, really, which was a really renowned acting school. I went for three years. I wow. studied with Suzanne for two years and then uh, the master program with Bill and took all kinds of other camera classes and stuff like that. But then when I came back to Canada, when my father passed away, that's when I looked at getting to do the union as I'd, I'd come back and I took over his, his strip club. I'd inherited it in Kelowna, <laughs> right. Cheetahs. Yeah. Um, and I had to run that mess, which I never wanted. I was, you know, my dad offered me to take over his reins when I was 19 and I went off to New York and right. went to film school. But I had to kind of get the business and the financials organized so I could sell it. And in the meantime, I was like, man, I don't want to give up. Like I worked so hard in New York. I was just starting to make things click. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I wanted to do, uh, I, I actually originally looked at getting into growing pot when oh, I really? came back because <laughs> I had so many friends doing it. And I was like, man, as a broke actor. And I was like, I could buy a house and just let them grow in it and get four times the rent and build right. equity and come back. And, and then instead of doing that, and I looked hard, like I looked at property and really? that's how yeah. I knew the whole breakdown of how the union oh, worked. Okay. Right. So Cause I, yeah, okay, I got yeah. like <laughs> where, where it was like realtors would be like, yeah, there's extra power here. And there's this, I'm like, why are you pointing that out to me playing dumb? They're like, I just saw when you're looking for a house with no neighbors by level that you can cut off that you might want to know those really, things. Really, really. They were even like, man, wow. at the end, our realtor was so cool. He's like, man, I literally wanted to make a business card that just said, if you're growing, I'm showing because it's not <laughs> illegal to sell you a house to grow in. No, all course, I'm doing yeah. is selling you a house. Right. <laughs> and then that's when I started to look at, there's all these businesses that profit off of this industry and the way it is in the illegal market. Right. And that's when I started to look at like, that. that's fascinating how much the province is really like say supported it right, right. Or, or held it up where they're like hey hey, hey I'm not breaking law right. I'm just selling you a house hey I'm not breaking law I'm just setting up the electrical right. I'm not breaking law I'm just doing the water <laughs> purification system right and whether like, you like it or not there's an economy around a it a huge whether, yeah. economy right. so that's what we decided like oh and I was like man that's it I'm gonna do a documentary because this is something I'd be interested in mm -hmm. and I you know that's right when docs were getting popular like supersize me and bowling for Columbine right. that's when it was like oh, docs okay, are yeah, a whole yeah. new thing coming out and right. everyone was talking about docs whereas like five years ago it was movies no Total, one talked well, about docs Columbine right changed changed the landscape hugely, and not yeah. to say there wasn't great docs before no, then but that's kind of it went, was marketable and yeah they went mainstream because i'd never really watched a documentary right. before then and then after that i remember everyone being like have you seen that mcdonald's documentary yeah, have yeah, you yeah. seen that like have you seen bowling for columbine have and you seen so many careers launched that way you know and that was also the the idea of the host in it too right michael right. Morris horse like and I'm, I'm ashamed to say i haven't seen it but i, I just watched the trailer so yeah. i so i see that you are kind of kind in of the, the union guy, i'm right? kind of the host because that was the thing where Whereas now, like, I would never think of doing it unless the story was personally about me, right, like right. in the film industry or something like that. Like, but that was the thing you did then, right? right? right. It was it like, was oh, the, you're the, the host, yeah. and you kind of make her. And, uh, you know, and then we, the good thing was a uh, director, Brett Harvey, like, brilliant. I've worked with him now on the Call Try, and now we're doing Ice Guardians and maybe another one down the road. But right. is that he was, you know, and wise enough to be like listen Adam we need to pull back on you because it's not about you marijuana right. is a way bigger issue and I was like I just want to make the best film so fuck yeah pull back from me sure. I don't care my right. story is not important if I had recovered from cancer or something like that <laughs> right, maybe yeah. but um, you're kind of the conduit now. yeah the story, so yeah. we just label it that way and it worked and then for the culture we didn't do that we just kept my voice so we oh, didn't, okay we just did me as the the narrator because we didn't want to go too far from what was our success, right? right? So we and looked that at, style has kind of changed, and that style has changed. Yeah. So we we looked at like okay, like how do we 
you know, should we bring in a big name voice? And even Brett argued that he's like, why bring in a big name voice? Like, he's like, we build this huge social media following and everything with the union. They know you. Right. Why change? He's like, and what, it, like, if you brought in a celebrity to do the voiceover, how many people are actually going to be like, come to the movie because of that? Right. Who right. cares? You're going to spend money. He's like, plus Adam, I can mold your voice that way. Right. Mm. Like if a celebrity comes in, he's going to probably do it once or twice the way he wants. And right. that's it. Right. Whereas Good if you point, do it, yeah. he's like, I can make you do it a hundred times. Ten, right. Yeah, so yeah, you get it right. Sure. So. That makes sense. <laughs> so, Whoa, so worked out. So obviously the uh, the culture high, mm-hmm. uh, amazing crowdfunding success. But how did you fund the union in the first place? So the union was my stepfather, and this is why I said my biological because both my dads are really close. But people get confused when I say, "Well, didn't one die and right, then had right, a strip right. club?" So my mom got remarried when I was really young, and okay. my stepfather was there ever since I can remember, like two years old or whatever. So right. I have two dads. Fair enough. And my stepdad was the one I went to. I said, "Dad, I have this." <laughs> He, he did everything and I did everything you're not supposed to. I said, Dad, <laughs> I got this dream. <laughs> I'm going to make this movie. And he's like, okay, so personal money into a movie. Mistake number one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we're going to do a documentary, which the D also stands for death as far as sales. <laughs> right, right. And we're going to do it about pot. How awesome is that? <laughs> um, so, but but my, I mean, that might, I mean, that was the winning part of it, right? Because you hit that niche. And that, and, and my dad just saw my passion. And this is the thing I say is like with passion and you'll see people follow blind passion and it's great. That's the, that passion to go get anything. Like I encourage that. But when I meet young filmmakers that have all this passion and they have nothing to show me, right. I'm like, you have to treat this like a business, like any other business. Sure. So have a pitch. You have a great script, have the fucking script. Don't right. start talking about it till you don't, yeah. right? <laughs> True Unless much, you're yeah. talking to writers to try to get them to write it. Right. That's the only like- Whatever step you're on, be ready for it. Be yeah. ready. Like, yeah. That's the biggest thing I see with all the arts is that that's it. Like, and I, I read this great thing. I'm not a huge Lady Gaga fan, but I read this one article on her that really hit home for me is mm-hmm. that she said when she would go to concert stuff where there would be an agent, she'd have her shit there and they'd be like, oh, well, when you have a demo, she's like, right here. Right. Like when you have a single right here, like yes. she had it right there. Yes. Right. Yes. And they're like, I've got my new compilation. Like nothing worse when you meet someone and they're like, wow, I'm still kind of working on it, but they're pitching on how awesome it is. I'm like, well, dude, you're not ready. Right. Like have it there. Totally. So. When I when we did the culture, I, we had the following, you know, or when I did the union, I had that all laid out for my dad. Like, here's a business plan, oh, and here's okay, our yeah, budget, yeah. and here's even though our budget got so fucked up because we were <laughs> like so many things you had to learn, but at least there was something there that gave right a like, plan A. Here's yeah. the concept. Here's what we're going for. Like even our style, like the union. If you look at the original website, it's all orange. We never went with traditional hippie colors yeah. because we weren't traditional hippies, right. and we wanted that audience that wouldn't normally go see a pot doc to come see it, huh. right? And that's what really resonated with the union. It, right. Like even people in the industry, it's funny because some activists and stuff got really pissed off because like, fuck, these nobodies that had nothing to do with marijuana come in and <laughs> did the one, the one that everybody says was right. the first one that right. kind of got everyone's attention. Yeah. And it's because we approached it as filmmakers. Mm. We wanted to make a great film about a very controversial subject. Right. Right. We didn't go in with any agenda like we're going to make it turn out to be this or we're going to show this we went in looking to do an expose of the bc industry as i explained all the right. stuff i had learned and yep. how fascinating that was how does this billion dollar industry function while remaining illegal and as we went into it we discovered the same hoodwink that everybody else discovers when you look at the drug war right you're like yeah like if the whole idea is to prevent harm how is harming somebody with a criminal record and putting them behind bars helping them right right, right. and it's and wh- not and in the trailer again yeah. not having seen it but the trailer and this was 2006, right? Yes. When or we even did five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were shooting, well, shooting right? 2004, 2005, right. yeah. So at that time, you were obviously hitting on this topic of uh, for-profit prisons, 
which I, I don't think anybody was talking about at that no time. No Now that it's time. a big, a big focal point. But that I mean, yeah, there are stats and comments from the union that I hear in debates today, and I'm like, I fucking wonder, if they, <laughs> like, like even if they didn't directly see the film, yeah, but yeah. you know how like someone else uses it in an argument, and then sure, they, and it ends up in an article. There's three. Something. So like prison, like we are long before we didn't go too big. We talked about them. There's a good five, ten minute section where you have these ex cops, Norm Stamper, former police chief of Seattle, and other people talking about right. prison unions and their influence in politics and private prisons and the money to be made and then you saw like got i think it won or nominated the oscar as the house we live in right which was all yes, about the prison yes. thing which oh, came out and not saying that our film but it's it's weird how when you put that information out there how like things resonate and come around right mm-hmm. i'm not saying it's all directly i'm totally not doing this justice on a podcast <laughs> I'm saying, but you know it, it it's like the six minute mile right when no one had done it right mm-hmm. and then this is before the internet or before video went viral and stuff like that then all of a sudden once one guy had done it it went on the radio airways within weeks hundreds of people around the world were breaking that record right mm-hmm. which was right. thought to be impossible right yeah i've right? heard of this yes yes it's it's it's, it's, it's an anomaly that they talk about like yeah. when you put things out into the ether with before the internet like now everybody's like well yeah it's on google and the internet like like, no, but before that, <laughs> but like, yeah, same like with a, radio technology. Like Russians were discovering it right yes, around the same yes. time we were. And There's it was like, like a, a story about like goats in uh, in Australia figuring out how to roll themselves on their back to get over like uh, Texas gates. Yeah, yeah, so they could escape. Yeah, and then like and simultaneously in New Zealand they were figuring it out as well. It's so it, weird. It, it's weird like that, and yeah. that's kind of what I see with like you know the drug war and everything. Like when we first did the unit, I'll tell you, like people watching, they're like, man, I don't know, some pretty conspiracy, conspiratorial, or it's the, the, <laughs> the word you say, but that's a lot of conspiracy shit in there. And then now the stuff that's in there, I mean, it's used in like forums in like the UN, yeah. like everyone's using our stats right. and stuff now, right. right? When we talked about, same with we say that you know the United States has less than five percent of the world's population, but it has over thirty percent of its prisoners and right. all those things. Like we talked about and and one thing I've seen all over in politics when they talk about the gateway theory right I think we crush that in the union like to where people are like oh well you know this kid lost his life on marijuana he's now addicted to cocaine but he started on marijuana and I actually heard like someone on the other side of city council saying like yeah but I started drinking milk and now drink alcohol it could be said I started on milk right, right that's ridiculous right. <laughs> argument and that exact quote is from Norm Stamper the police chief he's in our film oh, and really? he says he's like why does he's like you know why is it that if someone if I smoke marijuana I'm a potential user of black tar heroin right it's a it's we've gone even further with the addiction specialists we had in the culture high and everything that explains and I think he sums it up this way the best if you think about it where he says drug addiction is not the problem although it is a problem it's the addict's attempt to solve a problem in the first place right, right. and when you think about that you're like okay hey, that's kind of convoluted but what what is it that makes someone become addicted when they come into contact with it because all of us there's tons of things in life that can be addictive sex drugs eating Mm -hmm. some people get addicted and some people don't why does somebody do it the perfect example is what there's i just posted on our site the other day is they had this little infographic talking about people that go for surgery and they get given heroin but it's Mm -hmm. under the for like they get it's uh, oxycodone or morphine or whatever and how after their surgery they're given that's what it's it's an injection it's 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 the pharmaceutical version of heroin. Yeah. In fact, it's heroin was heroin. It is. It's yeah. more powerful than heroin. Uh, and heroin was invented by pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> it was invented by Bayer back in the day, if you really? want to get technical. Yep. <laughs> As a sedative for coughs. Uh, but how do they go in for a surgery, use that, and then as soon as the surgery is over, 
don't ever want to touch the right. substance. They're right. like, man, it made me woozy. I didn't like it. But then the same person can go for the same surgery and then they found their crutch forever. Right. Well, there's underlying issues that that drug then fills the void of happiness. And they showed this in the rat experiment. Ah, uh, yes. In I Vancouver, s- right? I saw someone on Bill Maher. Uh, I don't know if he did it, but he wrote a book about it. And this yeah. is this was, for me, like the the revelation about addiction oh, it, in general. And, but the, you know how old that study is? It, That's how, done yeah. like in like the 90s or That's, late yeah. 80s or something. But it just hasn't. Yeah. And we were going to bring it up in the culture but it was done in vancouver oh really of all places yeah huh. vancouver they did it where they and for those that are yeah, listening is us, that yeah. so they did a rat experiment they put they put two drug drips or one clean drip and one with drugs in it i can't remember what i think it was cocaine yeah. they put in the in the thing the highly addictive drug mm-hmm. and the rats were in a shitty cage where there's no it was just all males no friends and no yeah, nothing and yeah. it's just nothing to exercise so of course all of them instantly got addicted and that was their only pleasure outlet was right. to go to but then they took the same rats and said okay let's put them in a giant facility where there's other females to mate with and it, it's like a perfect it's like rat haven yeah, yeah. so they call it the rat mate they're the rat paradise or something yeah i can't remember the rat i think it's rat maze they call it but this giant like paradise for them and all of them force themselves through the withdrawals right away 100% really oh really they force themselves oh, to where they know. I didn't know they, they use the same rats the same rats wow. they force themselves huh. or maybe not but they used other rats that were already addicted right mm-hmm. so maybe not the exact same sure, five rats sure, but, but ones that they were like let's put them in as a controlled experiment let's put them in this shitty little cage mm-hmm. and let's have them addicted and of course they went right for it and then once they were clearly addicted they put them in this one okay. and they had su- a base, all of a them 100% yeah. force themselves to go through the withdrawals and the shakes and everything else till they were totally through and none of them went back to the drug drip. Wow. And it was there, right? So they had the water. It was there and they both had it were there. there yeah. Both were there. Yeah. And that, you know, if you look at that in society, it makes sense where it's like, okay, youth that are given opportunity and have great parents and they're involved in sports and they're this and their parents actually talk to them and do everything. They tend not to get addicted to drugs, right? right? right. And then, you know, um, when you look at lower economic situations, right? And that's tendily where predominantly a lot more drug addiction is. Mm-hmm. Not to say it doesn't, it is in hierarchies in society. And when people combat, like um, Dr. Gabor Mete's work, they're like, well, I know upper echelons community where they they did come from a nice neighborhood. And it was like, yes, but they might have had everything materialistically, right. but did their dad throw the baseball with them right right did, did their dad an emotional ask it? yes yeah. did they neglect can be one of the most damaging things right. to a young brain that can then determine down the road when you come into contact with these certain drug things that you get right hooked on them um yeah wow I, so that makes me want to see this documentary how can people see it <laughs> so the culture eye is available right now it's interesting because we have a deal with super channel is my number one client and like i would not have a career without them yeah, yeah. putting my super channel rules yeah yeah <laughs> it's here in, in in like all my docs they bought all of them so in canada exclusively right now it's on super channel but it's on all the downloads on Netflix or it's on not on netflix canada it's but on, itunes it's on netflix in every other country oh, okay. except hmm. in 15 different languages 82 two different countries but not in Canada <laughs> Super Channel has the Canadian Super Channel rights. has okay. the Canadian rights but if you have Super Channel which is yeah. only $13 a month yeah. you can uh, you can uh, on demand it I guess yes okay, and it's cool. on iTunes and Hulu okay. and Amazon Prime and all nice. those other ones if you're someone that, or uh, Vimeo who actually oh. we were one of their platforms where Vimeo wanted because they now have a competitive yes. thing to iTunes mm-hmm. and the one thing that always sucks is because most people have iPhones and you're already built into iTunes so your visas and right. everything's already there right. but the thing that Vimeo does it's 
so cool is they give 90% of your download to the filmmaker. Really? Yeah. Wow. 10% goes to them. And those who don't know, what iTunes normally takes is 30%. 30%, but you have to go through someone else in order to get and on iTunes in the first place, And that person takes your distributor, <laughs> yeah. for instance, and our film takes another 25%. Yeah, wow. So 55% is gone. Ouch. Before and then I think there's also like another five percent processing fee and everything. So yeah. if you can always order from Vimeo. Vimeo. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So they're interested in our next couple films too. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so but but you said the culture high. What about the union? Is that available anyway? The union's on iTunes, yeah. And okay. the union's on Super Channel as well. Right now they relicensed it oh, again. Nice. Cool. Um and it's on most platforms too. The union you can find. On, both of them are on most platforms. I believe it's on Netflix US. They might have just taken it off. I know they renewed it for like six years. It did really well. And in fact, Netflix, I kind of just heard what kind of program or docs they're really looking for right now. And it's drug docs, hmm. sex docs, and food docs are the <laughs> ones they're working on. So uh, Yeah, sex and yeah, all right. Uh, so uh, what uh, I, the big question I have for you, and I'm sure you've been asked a million times, is how the hell did you have such a successful Kickstarter campaign? Well, see, there Kickstarter's interesting thing for me because the union became a cult classic. It took two years to land a DVD deal. I actually have the original email from the president of uh, he took over Anchor Bay, and it was it was Phase Four Films, and now they got yes. bought up by E One. Yeah, good friend of mine now, Barry. And I have the original email to my sales agent from him saying, I don't see this film having any commercial success. Whoa! But hopefully, you can prove me wrong. <laughs> I'll take it for nothing up front. Wow. Right? I'll just do a 35-65 split, but I'll give you no money up front. We were just dying to get a deal because it sat for two fucking right. years and we're like, it's we'll take it, we'll take it, we'll take it. Right. And that's the ongoing joke is that my sales agent begged and pleaded to get a deal, took it as a favor, and then we asked what would be a home run for them in the first year. And they said, if this thing sold 20,000 units in the first year, we'd be fucking amazed. <laughs> uh -huh. It sold 23,000 units nice. in the first quarter. Whoa! So then they're like, holy, this thing's a little gold mine. They're like, <laughs> and you still owe us a favor, right? Because they took it as a favor. <laughs> right, right. But we knew it was going to do well because our social media, like I was on Facebook and stuff long before it was right. a mainstream business thing and people were making fun of me. Before they had pages when it used to only be groups. Right. And groups used to annoy the shit out of people because anytime you did an update, everybody would get a message right. and then that's yes. why they finally designed pages so I had to swap everybody. But but I was on it from the get-go. Nice. It just made sense to me coming from like a nightclub owner and like marketing. I'm like, man, I can message hundreds of people in 10 seconds and right. send them the trailer and send them this and get viral. So it just clicked with me long before everybody said, join us on Facebook and Twitter, join us on Facebook. <laughs> right, right. Everyone's like, why do you spend so much time on Facebook? It's like a kid's thing. Would you try to pick up chicks? I'm like, no, I'm <laughs> married. I got a daughter. I'm talking, but when am I going to hand out flyers to 600 people? I right. look like a crazy person. Watch my movie. Watch my movie. It's about pot. Watch my movie. Right. <laughs> So then just through the years to keep it relevant, to always keep sales going, I was just always working. Just, even today, I just like now the way Facebook does it kind of nice now where everything kind of gets tied in and in your newsfeed, all these things come. So right. now Drug Policy Alliance and Transform and ah. Release and all these big drug policy people that are always putting out great information and nice. content and countries changing things. I'm always just posting those, posting them on the nice. Culture High and Union page. So before the union, before we started the Culture High, uh, campaign on Kickstarter. I think at the time we had just under fifty thousand followers on wow. on the union page. Well, this gets way better. <laughs> so we kind of challenged them in our video and said, "Listen, if every one of you just pre-bought the next film, 
we'd have the money, right? right? Rather yeah. than going to one person for a lot of money. And the funny thing was, is I was looking at trying to do this just for my film career. I'm like, man, if I could get 10 people that would all put in a grant and they could all get a credit right. and something like this, and I could have the money to shoot a demo to get it sold. Right. And then they came along and did it for, I'm like, oh my God, there's yeah. a fucking platform that does this? <laughs> yes. I think my buddy Jeff Cox sent it to me and I was like, man, this is exactly what I need. And at the time, Kickstarter, when I first did my first campaign where I raised 24,000 bucks. Oh, what was that for? That was just basically like I needed money for the Ice Guardians demo, which is now in production. Oh, okay. and, and a couple other things. It was basically just like, I need startup money right, to get right. my... and. Uh, like that time you used to have to get an invite from Kickstarter from oh, someone wow. that already it was a prestigious where you right, can only right. be invited by somebody else so like, like you're Gmail messaging other people <laughs> and you're like and they're like oh, I already gave my seven away or blah 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 so I wrote all the creators I found on Wikipedia who created Facebook and uh -huh. I found them at, and I Our found where their emails somewhere I through Facebook or something I'd find their emails and I'd write them these personal passionate like listen this is here's my previous film wow. I, I've been struggling to get to that next point where I can do this full time and this is what I need mm -hmm. Blah blah blah, and they're like, "Here you go." Like, I literally, I remember in one day, I had three of them say, "Here's your thing." Like, you're you're good to come. <laughs> you convinced in. me. Yeah, I was like, I was like, sweet. And then I did that. So then when we went back to do the culture high, I had an understanding of Kickstarter, and then our Facebook page was like this. And I knew, anytime if you Googled top ten marijuana documentaries ever made, the union was always there, nice. and usually top three well if not and, and what we didn't go over is that joe rogan is in it yes that, that i mean how, how did you accomplish that sorry i'm, I'm gonna no, no, take us back for a second no, because well, how did that happen joe came interestingly like organically enough and this this can kind of go back to that old cliche saying they tell people if you put out what you want to get it will come back to you and we did interviews and we knew from the get-go and this is something that you see all docs doing now, but we knew from the get-go, we're like, look, if we want this to get mainstream, we're going to have to get some big names that can right. power punch it because yes. like, who the fuck is Adam Scorgi and who the fuck is Brett Harvey, right. the director? So we knew, so we were making, all, and uh, naive and young, we're like, yeah, we'll ask this guy, he's pop friendly. And they're like, no, who the fuck are you? No, you want <laughs> right, to do yeah, that? Yeah. It rejection. But when we went to do some of the big activists that had really good knowledge and had been arrested and stuff like that, one of them specifically was a dear friend of mine to this day, Todd McCormick, he was like, he's really connected in the Hollywood scene. He's uh -huh. like, listen, I can help you get some of these guys, Zeke. And you guys were super professional and are asking the right questions. Like, I've been waiting for somebody to do it nice. this way. So we're like, oh, thank you. So he put in the call to Joe, and then so Joe you, said, I'll do it. You had credibility. So that. he introduced us, and then we met with Joe. And thank God, he was the very last interview we oh, did really? for the nice. union. Wow. Yeah. And if you watch the union, he's arguably the best part because – you have all these great scientists and they're awesome and there's cer certain ones that are better than others but he adds that real it's like his podcast before his podcast yeah, yeah, right yeah. he adds this fresh perspective that's bang on mm -hmm, but it's got mm -hmm. that comedic timing yeah. and it's yeah. connects to the guy next door to you you're like I've never thought about that way and fuck yeah he's right <laughs> yeah, that's totally. bullshit right <laughs> And everyone, when we'd screen in theaters, would fucking laugh when he was on, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they would like, he was like, like literally by the end after we'd, I'd screened it for festivals probably like four hundred times. Yeah, I'd be like, and Q laugh in one, <laughs> two, three. Thanks, right? Joe. Yeah. <laughs> So when we did the second one, we're like, fuck, we had to have him back on. So and I saw Snoop is in that one. Right? Snoop is in that one. Well, the second, after the first one had gotten the credibility, it yeah. did. And then, you know, when anyone we'd send an a, a, a interview request to, they would Google it and look and be like, holy fuck, it's an 8.4 on IMDb. It's like a 98% audience approval on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Like any, you go to Amazon, it's like 4.5 out of 5. Like people were like, okay, these guys made a film that, and thankfully, 
knock on wood, the cult tried turned out the same way. Because if you look at the reviews on the, anytime I'm having a bad day, I just go look at the reviews. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> at least we can say we made those two films, right? Yes, and they like yes. got the audience respect. And because we got some. What happened with the culture that didn't happen in the union is the union went under the radar and became this cult classic organically through Facebook and social media yeah, and built right. online. Whereas the culture, we had E1 behind us mm. in a pre sale and we had oh, some good, of these good. things behind us. So, wow. But then so we also that got, would only have been part of the budget then. The yes. Okay, yeah. Cool. That was, that's when people were like, I don't understand, you know, why you're charging for your film. And I was like, because the film was $600,000. <laughs> Kickstarter was only 200,000. Yeah. My family put in another 140, right? right? Right. People were like, whoa. And then it's funny because I just had a guy today that he wants to do like a UK version of the culture. I, which is funny because we have a lot of UK elements, but mm. he was like, I want to do the exact same thing. He's like, he's like, I heard on one of your podcasts, it costs 600 grand. Why'd it cost so much? And I just sent him the budget. And that's like such a no, no in the film. And people are yeah, like, yeah. why would you share your budget? I'm like, cause I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, you but can why see, not? Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I honestly, the, it's come to me recently when, if you don't want to share your budget, it's because your project didn't make money and you're trying to hide something right, to me. Right, that's right. like, cause I don't know. I have no problem. I'll fucking show you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I might wipe out the name so you're not seeing what my director got paid and sure, stuff, but sure. you just see director this much. And yeah, this yeah. is like, I, I I only ask other filmmakers and some of them get really offended because I want to know how you put your financing together. Totally, Where yeah. did you get it from? Like, I mean, that's the that's still the thing that, that nobody wants to share is what does a financing plan really look like? And, and that's for a so Canadian frustrating film. to me because yeah. in any other business, right? You're taught that and there's the industry standard. That's the biggest difference I find with the film industry is other films is it's like this big secret and yeah. other producers don't want to help you because maybe you'll get successful and somehow right. that'll take away from them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, even though yeah. you do docs and they do <laughs> dramatic <laughs> series, right? World, it's like, yeah. it fucking drives me crazy. Yeah, sure. I hate that shit. Like literally, I don't want to work with someone when they start going like, oh, I don't want to talk about budgets. I almost feel like just being like, oh, well, it was nice having a beer with you. <laughs> yeah, like, take I just want to go on. <laughs> um, so, well, yeah. speaking of which, so so, what was the financing plan then for uh, Culture High? For Culture High, so Culture High, we raised the 240000 on Kickstarter, right. which at the time was the fifth highest grossing film yeah. project. Amazing. And now it's still in the top 20 and one of the highest out of Canada. That's, that's incredible, yeah. So that was part but of it. We got a Kickstarter pre- takes 7% or so? Oh, this is a big one for people <laughs> using Kickstarter. So, yeah, the Kickstarter fee, whatever, it's 5%, yeah. but then there's a 2% processing Amazon's fee or whatever. Involved, yeah. yeah. So whatever, but don't forget about what your rewards are going to ah, cost yes, you. Yes, <laughs> and the big one that costs you that no one thinks about is the shipping mm-hmm. of those rewards. Even Ouch. my accountant, we just went over that. She's like, "Am I reading this right? That your shipping was seventy eight hundred dollars?" Oh and I was like, "Well, yeah, thirty five hundred <laughs> pledgers, right? DVD size yeah, yeah, posters yeah. for some of them, some of them hoodies, some oh. of them sweaters. Calculate that shit into your budget. So yeah. if you need." 20 grand for your thing, you better try to raise 30 on right. your Kickstarter right. because, and then you're going to get another 5% that just don't go through in the processing, uh, yes, right? Yes. So, so, so did you, so what, would you build that into your like budget? Like imagine you have your, your budget yeah, so for we your needed, doc. We got, needed, as, a, as, an, as a line item, as a like line item, we needed fulfillment. Uh, yeah. We need, well, we needed it because then you get convoluted and you had to check yourself with tax credits, right? Because oh, that can fuck shit, up. And yeah. there was a ruling hadn't come through of where crowdfunding was yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. yet. So the one, the way we did it to bypass that, which got accepted and we just got our Cavco the other week, thank <laughs> nice. God, a year later, um, is that time, yeah. it all went into Scorgy Productions and then Scorgy Productions then loaned the film as uh, a loan okay. from one big sum, right? Right. But we knew we needed 180000 Okay. So the 240, that's kind of what we expected. Having done the smaller one that I did for 20 mm-hmm. and then really being like, fuck, it really didn't do that well because my shipping was three grand and some <laughs> yeah, of these other yeah, things. Yeah. So this time I calculated, I'm like, okay, shipping, 10 grand. Even though I didn't, I'm like, that's an over it, which it was, it was three grand over. Right. 
materials. I just went high. You're always better. Same with your films. Always budget. Like when I do my now, when I do my financing plan, I do a max grind on my tax credit, right. max, right. and that's what I calculate my loans on, right? Because right. you don't want to be like, ooh, well, we're gonna anticipate getting the full twenty percent. That'd be seventy grand, and then Cavco, as they always try to do, grind every fucking penny, and then you only get fifty. Well, now right. you're short that twenty, and then you, and I assume you owe a gap financier a bunch of money, that, or a yeah. bank, or your right. parents, yeah. or whoever you get it. So mm-hmm. one thing I can recommend everyone when we did Kickstarter and everything, I was like to expect the worst and. Anticipate the worst, and then if you have extra money, don't worry. Every film can use it <laughs> oh, somewhere, yes, yeah. right? Time so, for the festivals, yeah. Yeah, whatever. So we did that. So that was a line. So there's 180 there. We had a pre-sale with uh, E1 for 135, and then uh, we had Super Channel in for 100 or oh, 99, nice. and then our tax credits, or whatever, led up to our our budget of amazing. Yeah. Cool. Small. So that's how we put together. And now I use that template other than the Kickstarter for. It's funny because Kickstarter reached out to me like a couple months ago saying, hey, do you want to do another project? (laughs) And nothing against Kickstarter. They're great. And they've they've done so much for independent artists and technology and everything. Sure. But they get paid. When a project is well, they get money. Exactly. And the other thing is just. You know, having, it's a whole other, like, that's almost doing another film, too. I'm still getting people being like, I didn't get my poster. I didn't get this. I'm yeah, like, really? Yeah. Like, so it, like, and not that they're totally deserving. I'm not blaming yeah, of course, them. Yeah, just, yeah. Like, but, but it's, it's lost in shipping. Or, and yeah. tired. Like, I'm just like, man, like, fuck, films, you know, for a year. And there's still <laughs> yeah, people yeah, I haven't yeah. rewarded. And I brought people in just to help me ship it. Because sure. I thought I'd be able to handle it. Like, I thought I'd be able to send the digital downloads. I'm like, oh, if I work hard in a day, I can send it to everybody. Right. Uh-uh. Took me, like, two weeks. And I had to get it interns in and, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. copy pay send a link and oh my god it was exhausting <laughs> and i had people wanting to kill me they're yeah. like fucking bullshit blah blah and then i was like i just have to be like kill them with kindness i'm like terribly sorry this yeah. is way bigger than i thought so yeah, yeah, sorry yeah. and then everybody like okay i feel bad <laughs> like, like nice but but yeah. it's true i think filmmakers forget like like i think a goal for a lot of filmmakers is to make their first feature film yeah but forget how when the cameras are done rolling and and post is done you're not done with this film oh, maybe fuck. for years like i worked for a production company right out of school yeah. that was still working on on Kafka part b for like six years later it's yeah. If it you don't know thing. what you're seeing, now I have it dialed in where I know my system. Like, I get Cavco Part A done. Like, right now, we just started Chasing Evil. Within the next month, I'll have Cavco Part A done. And then as soon as our audit's done, it airs on TV, I'll have Cavco Part B. Right, like, right. I'll have that shit dialed in. So then it's on their onus, right? right. And I wait for them <laughs> yeah, to get yeah. back to me, which sure. can still take a long time. But that's right. how you want to play it. You always want the ball out of your court. You right? want to have it dialed in as professional. Like, even now when I meet with, like, when I met with Royal Bank, because they did the gap financing on Ice Guardians, which right. I'm working on now hugest compliment especially if you know my background of barely graduating high school being told <laughs> I was going to be a loser in a biker ganger in jail by the time I was 23 right. Running a for the club. bank to say this is the most organized paperwork we've had for a film financing gap that wow. we've ever seen and I was like I was like, do you, is, is that my application? You should get the same fucking one. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Good for but you. That's be, awesome. It, but it's because it became from like I had to do CMF just before that. And mm-hmm. I mean, CMF requires you to do what's your cash flow over the 36 months or the 18 right, months you're right. doing it, right? Damn. When is cash coming in? When are you spending it? Yeah. And when you're first doing this, you're like, oh my God, this is so daunting. I feel like quitting. <laughs> yeah. But then when you get it done, then it applies to all the banks because then they're like, because CMF, the Canadian Media Fund, which is a magical thing if you can do it, the paperwork does suck. Mm-hmm. But then they give you 60% of the grant right up front and 
and wow. the paperwork that they make you go through, then you have it all dialed in when you go to investors. Then you're like, oh, you want to know my cash flow? Here it is. So here's where we're going to go into post. And then at that time, we're going to need this much money so we can pay sound mix, audio score, color correction. And then by this one, need there. And then, then the audit will happen there. So I have the money for the accounting. And then investors and banks are like, Perfect. We know exactly when the right. money's coming in, when you're paying it back, when or how long the loan's going to be, what the return on investment is, what we're securing it against. Wow. So when I send to investors now, they're always like, holy fuck, your paperwork is dialed in. I'm like, all because I had to do it for CMF. So now <laughs> right, I just use right. all their templates, right? right? Totally. And yeah, put yeah. it all in. And It's interesting how it's how it seems like, yeah, such a pain, but it's actually such a favor when you have all I, your ducks in a row for all, everything And else. now yeah. I'm considered like the go-to people. People are like, oh, you need to figure out your tax credits, call Adam. And I'm like, oh, man, I hate that shit. Like, that is my least. I guess it's not. I right. Like I say, if you were to rank my producing skills, it's probably 10, but it's probably not. It's probably two because everyone comes to me now. <laughs> right. And I have to like refresh every time. I got to look on Kevin. Like, yeah, what yeah. is it? Yeah, two points for the director and this and that. I'm like, basically, I'm doing the homework, right? right? That's what it's like. I'm looking up the same shit you right, right. could. You should do a workshop. But I've I've talked about doing that. Get a little that. money like, out I, of it. Yeah. I, I've talked about even just like in film schools because I, I asked students to come out and I'm like, how much did you learn about the CMF and CAFCO? And they're like, eh, we talked about it for like a day. I'm like, dude, yeah. the CMF gives away half a billion dollars every year to Canadian filmmakers to inspire like how I didn't know about them till I did Ice Guardians is fucking right, beyond right. me, right? They're like, but well, let's talk about it for for those who may not know about yeah. it. There's Telefilm, yeah, which is for feature. They're kind of connected now. They are right? connected. That yeah. You go through them, but but one, but one is more for features and one is more for TV. But with yeah. with CMF, you can make a feature that is a made for TV movie and still fall under the rules, correct? Exactly, and well, uh, and for docs, it's fucking the best, right? right? right. For docs, you need. 10% of your total budget in a broadcast license. So you get your broadcast. And then the best part is, is unlike telefilm, which is kind of a submit and hope the jury picks you type thing, CMF, if you've got a good relationship with a network, they have a performance envelope that they can allocate as they see fit. Oh, wow. Hmm. So they can, and that's why I moved to Alberta. Super Channel has bought every film I've ever done. Yeah. The Union, I Am Bruce Lee, The Good Son, Ice right. Guardians, Chasing Evil. They've done it all. They know that I deliver a great doc and that I, everything they want. They want their Canadian content, great doc. Like I have it all dialed in. Before production's done, here's your Capco part A. They're like, good, now we're covered with CRTC and all that bullshit. Um, but they can allocate how much to you and it's a grant. Right. You don't have to pay it back. Right. It's a non-investor. Like how, wow. that, that's like, and then even if you go over the threshold to where they do want you to pay some of it back, yeah. It's very forgivable. It's not like a regular investor where they're like, okay, well, I'm last in and first out with interest. Right, right. They say, okay, if a hundred grand comes in, we'll take twenty five percent equally shared among your other producers and everybody else. Even though you might, they might want to try to recoup two hundred thousand. Right. They take it in a nice, even. Oh. It literally once you go through the paperwork, you're like, man, why wouldn't you apply for this every time? Yeah. Wow. Like, and then there's reporting you got to do for the next seven years or whatever. But I mean, you get trust me. There's nobody that hates paperwork more than me. For people <laughs> that said like, I hate it. Yeah. And I suck at it. And my writing is horrible. Without computers, people would think I'm an I'm an illiterate, right? Like they do all my like when I do a paragraph when I'm typing really quick, I look back, I'm like, holy shit, fifty percent of that is spell check red. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I have to like redo it. I think we're all forgetting how to spell because we don't need I'm to. I'm glad anymore. I'm not yeah. the only one because I am horrible, right? Like I don't even like try anymore. I'm like, hey, if it starts with A and it'll go like that. And, yeah, yeah. The, the computer hey, will figure yeah, it out. The computer yeah. will figure it out. But it puts you like I guess what I'm getting back to is with all these things, if you really want to do it and you say this one I want more than ever, yeah. learn how to do this shit because right, right. I did and I'm a dummy. For I'm sure. seriously right. saying that. It's like, I'm not really good at that stuff. You look at anything. I didn't come from film school. I'm not classically trained. I'm not, I was never the smartest in the class. I was never the most punctual. I was never, 
probably the only thing I could say that maybe I have that my competitors don't is when I was younger, this naivety that I thought I could do anything right. and the, tena- the tenacity to just be like, I will fucking figure it out. Right. If I can't get the money from you, I'll go there. I'll knock on doors. I'll figure out. I'll go through crowdfunding. I'll do whatever it takes right. to move forward. I have a friend who who has a bit of a similar philosophy. He, he uh, doesn't particularly like his work. Yeah. Uh, but he's there every day. But but the deal is, if he gets it done, he can go home, right? He, it's yeah. not like a, you have to be here till five. So he gets it done really fast. He doesn't like it, but yeah. he's good at it, so that he can be done with it. And so that's not a bad way of going about it. If you got to get through it, be good at it, right? I I posted something on my my Facebook the other day, and I'm gonna look for it quickly just to read it. And I mm-hmm. don't mean to go on my phone because no, it, no worries. It, it's a it wasn't that I got. I mean, it was an inspirational thing that came to me. Okay, and I loved it. And I posted, and everyone was like, "Man, I never like like it's super." simple but it makes so much sense okay hang on let me read it here to uh, sorry but don't work eight hours for a company and then go home and not work on your own goals you're not tired you're uninspired mm. right and when you think about it that way like whatever it is and i put it in there's even a few people who are like man i'm so tired at the end of the day i can't even stand and i wrote him back and i said if you've got time to go for beers with your buddies and yeah. socialize, you got time to work on your totally. goals, man. And that's the thing that I think people forget when it comes to the creative industry and film because it seems like this fairy tale thing that's down in Hollywood and sometimes is right. unattainable right. up here, right? And people are like, oh, if only I was in the right place or my family or if I knew this person. But no, even people that had that, like, yes, they might have got their foot in the door a little bit easier, but they still had to fucking work to right. make good content. Right. And if you're working on it, I, I did that. I've be, I've been there when my daughter was born. We were negative $400 in the account. I needed 50 grand to finish the union. I was working at the casino so I could work at nights. I would start at seven and I'd work till 2 a.m. Oh. Then I would come home because I, could, I sometimes couldn't sleep. Then that's when I would write and research for two hours till like three or four in the morning. Right, right. Then my wife had to work in the morning. I'd be up with our daughter at six mm-hmm. or seven in the morning, fucking exhausted. My eyes feel like they were Where's burning. Where's the sleep in there? Right, like two or three hours. And then yeah, I'd yeah, nap yeah. on the couch with her and uh, like that was it, right? And brutal. So I know what burning the candle at both ends is, right? And I also know when people are like, well, you don't know what it's like to raise kids. I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) I work nights so that I could be at home with my daughter all day, right? right? And then, yeah, when she'd have a nap, then I'd be like, okay. And literally, I remember times I'm like, holy, I'm so fucking tired. My eyes are like, they feel like they're cracking. I'd be like, but I should really fucking dive into that Cavco work and I should do (laughs) that. Like, I'm like, you have to force yourself. Yeah to get through that resistance. And there's actually a great book called um, The War of Art, not The Art of War, The War of Art, that talks about Mm -hmm. resistance is everybody's biggest thing. Whatever you want to call resistance, if you're religious, some people call it the devil. If you're not like, whatever it is, it's pulling us away from our goals. And it's amazing how the thing we love to do most, if you want to be a writer, a filmmaker, a director, producer, illustrator, graphic designer, that you'll put all these things that you never want to do in front of you. Like, well, I'll just go home and do my laundry and then I'll do this right. rendering for my graphic thing. Well, <laughs> yeah. I just want to like, when the fuck do you want to do your laundry? I never want to do that shit. <laughs> yeah. oh, but yeah. when it's something like that, you know, it's your goal and it's weird. And it, like, I remember reading the book. I'm like, fuck, I do that all the time yeah, where I'll yeah. be like, okay, I really should do this and be good for the film. But Maybe I'll just watch this show and I'm, I am hungry, so I should eat right now. Be <laughs> yeah, like, any like, excuse. It's any like, oh, excuse. my room's kind of dirty. I yeah, should. I should clean my room. <laughs> and like, you're avoiding what it is. Yeah. And you hear all those people saying, like, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Like, it, it comes over again and again, but it's funny how sometimes just the way it's presented and, and that book, it's a simple read. And I don't read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. I read like information and blogs and stuff like that, but yeah. I don't read a lot of that one really hits me. And I remind myself, 
you know, when my alarm goes off at 5 a.m. every day to go to the gym, because it's my only time, because now I have three kids, with my three kids, to be a producer and do like, I'm like, if I don't go now, I'm not going to go, and then I'm just going to eat shitty food, and I'm going to get fat, and I'm going to be 240 pounds. So you can push yourself through. I'm sorry if I'm sounding too much like a motivational (laughs) speaker to these people, but this this is is great. And we've never really gotten into this territory on the podcast before, because it is... uh, that's such a huge part of it and, and it and it applies to any artist or, or any. any creator um so so but how so yeah what is what is your trick how do you motivate yourself if we're gonna if we're gonna go in there yeah, I, I don't know if there's space. any one thing i think for me i know the time specifically when i knew i couldn't do anything else and it was when i was still working two jobs and the union screen for the first time in the vancouver film festival okay we'd done other film festivals but not this one like we're pulling up and most of the screenings then were done in the granville theater that they had there it's before the van city theater i think this was back in 2006 or 7 we screened in that festival and we see this like big lineup we're like holy shit some of these films like really busy because we'd done two or three other festivals not in our markets like Winnipeg like we we got rejected by all the big film festivals and then you get in we're like good we're in we're gonna take it right like (laughs) um, so we pull up and then and then we see the sign it's like rush tickets for the union and we're like these people are lined up just to get the remaining rush tickets. We're like, holy fuck. Wait, and this then, is our movie. This is our movie. <laughs> and like Brett and everyone's like, dude, fuck, we're fucking sold out. And I was wow. like, damn. And then we go in and there's two empty seats. And it's because they're broken, right? <laughs> like they're everyone. People are sitting right front row like right, this, right, like yeah. it's a neck cranked. And, <laughs> and I remember being like, holy fuck. And then sitting down and the music starts and the film starts playing. And then I see people laughing at Joe Rogan's jokes. And I see people crying when they see Greg Cooper's got MS. And I see like, I saw that my work was affecting people around me. I was like, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm fucked. I'm never going to be able to go back to a job (laughs) that just gives me a piece of paper with ink on it saying, this is what we justify your value of life for this many hours that you spent this month. And I remember it never felt more empty than when, because I, I didn't learn how to make, like the union was out for years before I finally figured out how to make this a regular business, right? Right, right. Because I invested so much time in paying my family back and like there was no money. So I took a sales yeah. job with Cintas, the devil, um, <laughs> of the U- uniform and linen company. And okay. I remember I worked super hard. And of course I had the sales shtick. I'd, I'd, I'd been in acting. I'd like, it, oh, I yeah, did yeah. well my first quarter. Sure. And they're all patting me. And they're like, man, you got like, you know, the top 30 in Western Canada and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, here's your bonus check. And I remember looking at it so empty being like, that's all like three months of my life is worth. Like, you know, five days a week grinding is a piece of paper, a little ink. And all I could think about was like, okay, I'm going to set aside some money for my daughter. But other than that, I should pay this bill off. I should pay my visa. I should pay that. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's gone. That is meaningless, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's what I'm like. I'm like, I got to get the fuck out of here as quick as I could. Yeah. So wow. again, I would just burn the candle. I would get all my meetings and try to bust out the sales. And as soon as I got my sales number, internet cafe I didn't even own a computer then I was <laughs> yeah, so broke I had to like I'd be like on internet cafes like hey how did this film do it how did this doc do it how did they raise their money who is their distributor right, like like right. always looking like other docs are similar to what I was doing like who did who did they sell to oh, okay ESPN did theirs or you know this company or that company like and who's their buyer who's their head of acquisitions when can I bump mm-hmm. into them like looking at those things to try to so when I got the chance I could pitch them and try right. to get something going right. nice. but then the frustration was we kind of circle back to is I didn't know budgets. I didn't know how to do like, and nobody wants to help you. And you talk to other filmmakers and you get like Billy Corbin was cool. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He directed cocaine Cowboys one and two and very good director, doc guy. And he helped a little bit. Like I'll give, he's one of the first guys I reached out to on like MySpace when I was still around and I was still used. And he wrote me back and said, here's a couple answers to your questions. And so it was cool. There's a few of them out there, but you know, then you're going into, and it sucks in this industry because 
you go to a, a broadcaster distributor and you have a reasonable budget. Let's say for a doc, you know, half a million bucks. It's a good budget. I try to get for more, but that's a good budget, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? And then you're you think because you see a distributor on IMDb, you're like, oh well, I'll just go to uh, Magnolia Films and just ask them for the whole half a million, right? Because I saw they did other docs <laughs> right, like yeah, this, right? Is, so yeah. like, I say, hey, yeah, like, do you guys want to distribute this and pay half a million bucks? And then they look at you like you're an idiot, right? <laughs> right Where even right. if they liked your process, they're like, you don't fucking know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then you're done, and that can be your only shot. That's yeah, what's yeah, fucked yeah. up about yeah, this yeah. industry is no one tells you that they're like, okay, yes, we're a distributor, but like the max we pay for a doc is like two fifty, right, right? So right. like, you have to get your financing from other places, right. like sell internationally or sell a TV deal or like. But no one teaches you that. So you right. just go in and you're like, ah, here's our budget. And then they're like, yeah, whatever. Like we're not getting <laughs> yeah, yeah, And you're yeah, like, yeah. okay, how do I figure that out? And, and it then, might be a great idea, but that's just not even in their realm of possibility. No, and then they, they yeah. look at you like, you don't know what the fuck you're, like right. if you don't even know how your budget works and they're like, well, fuck, we definitely don't want to invest in this right. guy's dog. That he doesn't know yeah. how the fucking budget works, right? right? right. But it, it's weird on nobody tells you or even like the distributors, <laughs> they don't want to tell you, well, normally we only come in for this much right. like, and that's yeah. not their job. But no, that's what took me the longest to figure out mm. is how do you fucking know what your budgets and how do you navigate that right, right. and that's why you and I talked it's so frustrating that other people won't yeah. fucking help you people with that. want to keep it secret it, and and I've, I've asked at like workshops and for speakers it's like so what was the financing plan like it's oh, I can't talk about that that's so gay but, okay why I, I, I hate don't that and sorry yeah. I don't mean gay like that's <laughs> no. like I know that's like a fray you can't use that word now that's that's bull that's a shitty because I hate I think th the only thing I can think of is it because the arts are competitive Mm -hmm. So it, with arts being competitive, they kind of think that like somehow or another, you being creatively talented will take away from them. Although I right. think totally the opposite. I think that if I do you right and hook a brother up, mm -hmm. then you'll come back and be like, hey, Adam, like, fuck, things are good. And you did a doc and this great doc came by me and I don't really do docs, but fuck, like. Yeah, you are like for sure. I don't see how it doesn't empower yeah, you. Yeah, like, and, and not to mention there are enough awards and festivals all over the world that we can all win something or like it, it's. And I'm not. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not above it. Like when I was kind of getting out of film school, it, all I could see was competition and, yeah. and and feeling like what am I doing? I, you know, I and 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 seeing people coming out after after me and being like, well, look what they're doing, and I'm not. So it took me a while to kind of rearrange my brain and be like, no, no, that's good for everyone. Yeah. The better we all do is it's actually good for all of well, us. Well, and the competition part that's not bad to challenge yourself no, either right competition is okay so like if you're like okay man what did he do like he look and like instead of looking at him with this like resentment or yeah. something and it's tough like i'm not saying it didn't come i'd look at early and be like well how the fuck did those guys get a distribution <laughs> right, deal right, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. fuck our film is just as good yeah. if not let's be honest fucking better <laughs> right and how did it not get yeah. a deal but instead of looking at that and you know that's a big problem i think with just everybody in life and not just the creative industry is that you can dwell on what didn't happen to you instead of looking at that in the positives and here's what i mean i'm not trying to be this super spiritual guy but <laughs> you're looking to be like okay look at what he did right who did he work with instead of looking at the name look at what he did right. try to pick his brain maybe he'll help yeah, you but yeah. look at like who did he sell to how did he get his marketing how did he do this okay now i get a concept i would have never thought of that mm -hmm. but instead of just ruling him off as like fucking piece of shit look at what he did and then you might even be like oh that's pretty clever I admit I wouldn't have thought of that I'm going to incorporate that next time right, I do it and right. then look at that and then you said there's enough ideas that the competition yeah I mean especially I do docs so the chances of like someone taking your idea and doing it like mm -hmm. especially if you're doing like live content you have a relationship with a guy that's not happening right, right. it's not like a feature <laughs> film where someone can write a similar concept yeah. like so I don't know like that legitimately things can be stolen right sure but even then the financing thing that just irks me like anytime anybody asks me I dude I sent the budget to some guy I've never even met I'm like here's a culture I budget you can see what yeah, we spent and yeah. he was like holy fuck and then even he said he's like man I guess I'm gonna have to look at this 
way more as like an actual business because that's when I'm looking at your thing. That's what you did. I'm like, yeah. That's yeah. why when everybody says, man, your pot dog looks so professional, I'm like, because we are not activists. We are not trying to change right. world policy. Right. We wanted to, what we wanted out of both films is that afterwards, how would it advance our film career, right? right. right? That's one the thing, agenda. It's not that's the political. That's the agenda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that if someone said, well, I don't care. I, I don't like the message at all, but fuck what those guys put together to build that argument right. took talent, right? right? Yeah. And that, regardless of what the subject matter is, is talented filmmaking. Right. And it's the right place to come at it from. And it, it's funny though, because that's still like, I'm really interested to see now with Ice Guardians coming and then Chasing Evil, two that have nothing to do with the drug industry because we're still kind of like the go-to guys when people are like, I have this other pot idea and then like literally (laughs) without being a dick, I'm just like, man, unless you guys throw a truckload of money at us, right? (laughs) Right, right, And can come up with an angle that's so different, right? Like, I'm not going to do it just for money and I'm not going to... Which might be the legalization process now. Maybe, maybe. That's where people are like, when's the trilogy coming? (laughs) I'm like, well, I'm like, it would have to pay really well (laughs) and someone really want to do it because just for us to even just dive into it again and then, you know, it's tough because you still get some of the hate mail and the arguments and like, we're just so, it's tough not to get caught up in it. Like, after you've learned, you're just like, ugh. Like, when you hear people say what about the children i'm like that's the dumbest <laughs> argument ever i'm like what about the children for anything like that's yeah. where parenting comes right. in right that's yeah. where you have to be a good parent and if anything if you want to keep your kids away from drugs regulating and controlling them is the best way because a drug dealer don't give a fuck how old they are <laughs> right they got the money they're getting drugs moving on yeah. and then you know what they're going to try to get them hooked even quicker on harder drugs because that's where they get more profit. The profit margin is much larger on cocaine. They don't want you smoking weed, buying a gram right. and smoking weed for a week. They're like, fuck that. I want you doing blow where you're going to call me six times in one night. Right, right. <laughs> so that's that's where, if anything, and that's what we talked about in the union, that's where the gateway comes from. Right, the gateway right. comes from that, the drug dealers mm-hmm. and the because of prohibition you sent it underground where there's no safeguards in place there's no regulation in place there's no one checking IDs there's no one checking the quality of the product right, right. that's where it goes bad hmm. so uh, I could, yeah this, I gotta see this documentary I, I'm, I'm gonna actually I got a copy of it in the film so I'll <laughs> oh, just give sweet. you a copy nice uh, but uh, so tell me a little bit you, you keep mentioning something evil what's the other title you're working on yeah so I got two right now so there's Ice Guardians uh-huh. uh, which is looking at the history of the NHL Enforcer and how it evolved over the years and how now it's you know there's only a few left in the NHL and how fighting's right. kind of way down yeah and, yeah is that and is that a series by the way? No, no. Oh, okay, just I a, thought just a feature movie. doc. No. Hmm. Have you ever thought about doing like a doc We've series? We thought yeah. about that. The big problem is though is to do a series on that. The NHL is not. Ah. They they don't like hmm. the fighting thing, which is my battle for that. I've been working on Ice Guardians since two thousand eight. Really? Yeah, because originally I tried to. Um, get the proper approvals and license it through the NHL. And we had a contract and they rescinded it. Oh. But then I found out about the wonderful laws in the United States called American Fair Use, uh, which yes. is difficult for Canadians, but there is a way to do it. Uh-huh. And um, I figured out how that worked. And then I was like, oh, why well, don't even need to buy the footage as around, long as yeah. I can get it right. without going to the source. I'm right. like, so then I partnered with hockeyfights.com and they have every fucking fight that they're in. <laughs> like, Perfect. They're all online. Yeah, like yeah. everything you want. And then huh. what happened when the NHL went mainstream um, a long time ago, there's a lot of small news networks. As you're seeing here, they're all shutting down local. Yeah. So a lot of them would film small games in markets that weren't that popular, oh. right? But were great games. And then they were just getting rid of their tape. They're like, we don't have an archive and spend the money. Yeah. So fight collectors would go and collect them and be like, oh, fuck, you got this whole bin of like... <laughs> wow, I'm going to collect, okay, this is all the Philadelphia Flyers in the 70s? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. So there's all these collectors because everyone has been dying. There's only really been one other doc done and it was called Last Gladiators with Knuckles and Island. Okay. 
but it followed a lot more on his story and didn't quite go into the history like we're going to go into and the evolution and everything. So like the, the audience that follows that is dying for it. And it's much more than just a sports talk because it's really fascinating to see these guys that, you know, their dreams of playing in the NHL, like all of them wanted to be Wayne Gretzky or Mario yeah, Lemieux when yeah. they were younger. And then there becomes a definitive time where they're not good enough. And then, but they're like, but you're big, you're physical, and you're passionate. I can be useful. If you can be useful in this way. <laughs> and that's, you know, when other people are like, well, he wasn't good enough, so he shouldn't be there. I'm like, but man, do you know how, t- how much, like, how much, what the word I'm looking for, not just passion, but you know, um, tenacity, you need to be able to change your total game plan and be like, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Life has thrown me a huge curveball, and my mm-hmm. dream's not going to work that way, but I will adjust everything in my physical being and I'll go this way. Right. If that's going to get me a shot to the NHL, right? As much as everyone's like poo poos on that, it's admiring to look at like, man, you're not given because let's, let's just be honest. The sports world and athletic, the world is not fair. And especially the sports world, like you can work just as hard as Sidney Crosby from the day you're six years old. And you just might never have the vision, the talent, the physical body. You might not have the size and the bone structure that can carry muscle mass. And the the time of year you're born uh, plays a huge part of it as according to uh, Malcolm. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And then, so, you know, to see them do that. And then here's the interesting thing that nobody thinks about or is often not heard about when you talk about enforcers and their stuff is that and this is what we've already said from the beginning in the middle from the, when we started to do the film and when it finishes the main goal we've always said is we're not here to glorify fighting and we're not here to put a negative spin on it like the media does every month in canada especially we're just here to honor the enforcers role in hockey history because whether you agree with fighting or not in the game it is a huge part of the sports history. Sure. Yeah, yeah. In fact, there's over a hundred rules in the rule book that have catered around <laughs> fighting. Right. Right. In fact, some of them are named after previous enforcers. There's the <laughs> really? Rob Ray rule, right? <laughs> like, and to just kind of say like, well, it doesn't have its place there. That's ridiculous. And in right. fact, if you say that you're a bigger idiot to say like, well, it doesn't belong there and it has no place. The very first sanctioned game ever in Montreal back in like 1895 had a line brawl. Really? Right. <laughs> The fighting has been there ever since, and wow. there's all these, and we've gone deeper in this one where we've looked at human behavior specialists, but mm. what is it about being, part of it is like, here's the thing is, humans have evolved tons through technology, right? We're doing a podcast now where you can broadcast to people all over the world. Right. That was not even thought of a decade ago, right. unless you're at the major corporation or something. <laughs> so, but humans, as far as us, we still have jealousy, rage, anger, things that, like, that's been with us ever since we were- The hardwired caveman stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly, right? So here you are putting us into a sport on a foreign surface. You're on ice. We're not meant to be on ice. <laughs> right. Razor blades on your feet, <laughs> armor on you. Let's yeah. look at what you're suiting up. You're putting armor on to For protect sure. you from injury. Mm-hmm. Then you're putting yourself in a fucking cage, right? <laughs> Which they call a rink, yes. boards, closed yeah. in with howling fans <laughs> over top, right? Then weapons in your hands. And now we have you moving at speeds. <laughs> That your body, although you've been trained since you're young, you're moving at abnormal speeds. You're right. moving at 30, 35 miles an hour right, right. into other giant guys with armor closing into boards. Right. So yes, the heightened sense of danger is probably heightened, arguably, in om- the, there than almost any other sport. Maybe the NASCAR or something like that, but very heightened. So the ability to boil over and get into a, f- a physical altercation is something that's almost organically human right and it's not surprising that hockey had this kind of evolved from the beginning and that's we've had human behavior specialists kind of break down and then something that was even more fascinating i'm giving a spoiler here because i know (laughs) it'll be in the film is that 
Howard Bloom, who was in our last film, considered one of the greatest minds in our generation. Human behavior specialist looked at, he did an interview for us and he's, he doesn't even watch hockey, but once we showed him the demo and what we were talking about, it's like, this is amazing that human fun, fundamental human nature is broken right down to the sport where they've done studies and they've broken humans up in tribal like you know if you go back to our tribal ants but even now today in current at human society will always break themselves down into a leader mm-hmm. or and then they'll go to a lieutenant or an enforcer then you have your joker and your nerd right and even if you take a group of all leaders they'll break down into that same right. hierarchy right wow. there'll be a joke huh. and the lieutenant or slash enforcer is always a guy that's the protector of the leader of the people he's the one he's the one that gets his hands dirty right, right? right. and it, he was like man I can't believe that hockey's organically created that same thing that you have a guy here that is there to intimidate the other team or protect your superstars right? right now people argue that back and forth and whether it is or doesn't but then also how human emotion like in old tribes like if the lieutenant fought the other lieutenant and took him out right a tribe that that's how wars used to be decided sometimes the two would fight like you saw in troy right your instead of you know sacrificing thousands of men we'll have the two battle right we'll decide the sides right right and how that can inflow, like, and you can see it if you're a hockey fan, where a big hit can shift the momentum of a game. Right. And sometimes a guy will come in and he will fight, and he'll fight that guy that did that move, and sometimes that can spark your team, but sometimes it won't, right? right. And then people say, well, I can show you all these games, so there's a fight and it didn't do anything. And I'm like, great point. But the best power play in the league only executes at 27, 28%. So that only means two and a half times out of 10, you're going to score, right, right. right? So two and a half times out of a fight. And then if you make the playoffs by one point, because your team did get sparked that game, or your superstar did feel a little bit more comfortable to have room on the ice because he had someone looking over his back. Brett Hall said to us in his interview, we asked what kind of superstars have benefited from playing with enforcers and this is asking them, right? So not mm-hmm. one of the writers that argue, oh, I can bring you analytics or it doesn't work. One of the greatest goal scorers of all time, 741 goals. He said, if you like me scoring 741 goals, it's because I had guys like Kelly Chase and Tony Twist making sure I felt comfortable out there. Right, right. He's like, and I'm happy to say I have all my own teeth. <laughs> nice. So you've already done a bunch of shooting. We're almost, we're done. Like oh, wow, we basically okay. got like maybe one more shoot day. There's one celebrity that's agreed to interview um, we're just trying to pin down schedule, which reminds me, I have to send him an email uh, today. And uh, are you flying out to, to them? Yeah, so that's oh, yeah, part of why budgets yeah. cost so much in right. docs. Like, even yeah. people that do indie films are like, man, I can do an indie film for like 100 grand. Why does yours cost 600,000? Like, because you shoot it all in like two locations right. in one town. Like, if someone, like, all these NHL players, so in total, I think in total, because we shot money for the demo and then the project sat for years and we got it. I think we've done like 55 or 60 interviews in totals from referees to concussion specialists to superstars to enforcers to linesmen. Wow. Um, um, celebrities like when they say especially celebrities I'm like I'm available on this day for this hour <laughs> it's like oh okay and some, and usually they confirm like two days before yeah, so yeah. you're booking hotel rooms you're booking flights you're booking yeah, all this yeah. you're getting camera guy sound guy da, 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 da. and yeah. do you bring your own crew or do you try to find people there depends or, on yeah. what we do so if we go to the US I usually get pocket letters and I bring most of my creative crew because that's allowed pocket right? Letter. pocket letter is what you get your lawyers to do so you can legally go shoot in okay. the United States so the key creative team that's a whole another thing you could <laughs> yeah, learn. Can you could do a cloud, like, yeah, yeah. but your key creative is allowed. If it's a Canadian company hiring Canadians and you're simply just interviewing a U.S. subject matter, right. you're allowed to for the key creative positions: producer, okay. director, creative producer, camera guy, sound guy. 
you hire, can hire get, an American. They can say. get sketchy, right? So you're supposed to hire an American, so you can say, "Look, we're also supporting American workers right, and right, everything right. else." So normally, that's what we do: is we bring the key creative, the director, Brett. He also does his own camera, which sometimes they have a stink about. But I'm like, but he's not. He is the DOP. So. And then we just hire local sound. So I have local sound guys. Usually I have a guy in New York that's great and a guy in LA. I have a crew that I kind of go to and I'm like, oh, we're coming out this way. Nice, nice. But if it's in Canada, you know, and then we usually bring, depends because I work with different, like I'm working with two different groups and two different projects. So one group will kind of rent gear. The other one has their own. We'll bring, it all depends on each production. But usually the budget kind of that I set works for all of them where we built in like traveling with gear and Mm -hmm flights and i always book travel and stuff really high right so that you know you'd never go over in that department right right? and that you're covered so yeah it can vary so much yeah yeah well then a flight change or celebrity changes mine on you or something like that and it's okay all new flights and everything so (laughs) same with dinner and stuff like that like meals and stuff i'm always everyone's always surprised and i buy the meals and stuff for the crew i like to take good care of my crew right i pay them per diem Mm -hmm. and then even when we're hanging out i'm like if you join us for dinner i'll get dinner too and they're like really you're giving us per diem and you'll buy us dinner i'm like man it 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 goes a long way when you're doing production, especially because if you want to start nickel and diming and being like that, <laughs> yeah. then your sound guys and stuff can be like, oh, we just went over 10 hours. <laughs> yeah, time sorry. That's oh. going to be $110. Whereas, like, right? I've never had my sound guys, and I've worked with them for five years, charge me a day and over. And if wow. they do, I don't work with them again. Right. Because yeah. I usually pay them cash on the spot. Right. They're paid really quick. Whereas when they work with another company or TV, usually it's like 60 to 90 days before yeah, they yeah. get a check, minimum like 30 yeah. usually. So they're usually just like, fuck, whatever you got going, Adam, nice, I'll cancel nice. and come to you. And yeah. <laughs> Right on. And reputation is so important. So important. Even, like, yeah, even all over North America. Like it's, it, it is a fairly small community when you think about it. Quite small yeah, yeah. when you cross paths. <laughs> and it's, it's funny how quickly it can come back to you if things aren't handled correctly. For sure, for and, sure. and I really believe, like as I said earlier in the podcast, like you put that good energy out there and just it comes back and you get... I mean, this time we were just shooting. So the other one we're working on is Chasing Evil. The Chasing life of, Evil. It's the life of Robbie Knievel. Oh, cool. The son of Evil Knievel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe you must have told me about this at Banff or something. Yeah, we yeah. were probably just starting then. So he just came out of retirement and jumped for the first time Whoa. in five years. Yeah, we filmed cool. it down in Palm Desert. It's the best footage I've ever captured. Wow. We had 15 cameras. We had... <laughs> We had a camera hooked up to his helmet that actually saw his eye and the emotion going through his eye when we had we had another GoPro facing the jump, another one on the front of his bike, another one on the back of his bike. We had a thirty-five foot Jimmy Jib, we had a you know, sixty-five foot genie, we had four Sony F sevens, <laughs> like we had it dialed in, right? Well nice. he only does it once. So yeah. you're gonna be like, Hey, uh, <laughs> I know you got hurt. Can, can yeah. you do that again? So you had to get yeah, every fucking yeah. angle. So jam in the uh, in the mag there or something. Yeah. Yeah. So we that's the other one that we're we're working on and that shoot i mean we we needed all these extra guys and literally our sound guy who i work with all the time brian curley great guy yeah actually his his brother uh tom won the oscar for um for sound on whiplash oh wow yeah nice. we were working together when he was talking about that and he's like because <laughs> i was inviting my my director brett and the other guy steven who i work with on the union the culture Eye and ice guardians and i said hey if you guys want to come to sundance this year my family owns a place like come hang out and like they're like, we'll be right editing then, Adam, so we're not going to be able to come. And then Tom was in there, too, and I wasn't thinking. He's like, oh, well, I'll take you up on that. And I was like, oh, I forgot you are in the car. But <laughs> sure, yeah, come on, man. Like, I let lots of people crash. I don't nice. have a big deal. And then and then he was like, yeah, he's like, because I, I worked on this film, and Sundance is pretty hip on it. It's called Whiplash. And I was thinking, like, yeah, right. Like, what are the chances? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so tough. Like, nothing against Tom or anything. I was just no, like, no, man, it's, it's just so hard to get into Sundance. Yeah, and course, like. Yeah. 
what is i'm like okay yeah sure whatever if it comes through no problem i got room for you and then he he's like dude we're in and i'm like shit okay well i guess i said you can stay he's like okay cool and then uh and then of course he's like dude we won sundance i'm like what like now we won a fucking oscar and then like yeah it's him with his fucking trophy like that is a great film though. yeah it is and i mean and if you interesting of that if you we were just talking about that today for an indie i'm working on is how that Two years, people rejected that script. Yeah, and said no, not marketable, not this, not that. Right. Until finally, he went and shot a short, and right. then the short turned out fantastic right. and proved everybody, no, this is going to be a good fucking movie. Which you know, I thought I, a couple of years ago, I kind of thought like the short as proof of concept was was a bad idea. I did too. Yeah, yeah, it, I was with it you. It was like web series. We got to go web series. Yeah, and that, but but now it's back it, totally, and and it's a great idea. And and not to mention that when it comes to cast, we're finding we're working on our feature yeah. film cast really wants to see what the director's done before and it's got to be in the same vein as what you're trying to shoot right so it's super important um but man great conversation thank you so much oh my pleasure Um, where can we where can we send people for 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 stuff yeah if you want to i mean the union culture eye they're all on itunes uh ice guardians will be coming up we have an ice guardians facebook page and you can see it's about thirteen thousand people now so we i always try with all these uh chasing evil we're working all that friday we're supposed to be on a call with our web guy to get all our social media stuff going you can but you can follow me on twitter i'm just adam score g like score like a goal that's Um, your company right yeah score g Productions. so i'm on twitter and facebook and all the usual suspects if you want to find me you can find me pretty easy i'm probably (laughs) one of the most approachable producers in the industry if you want to get to me so yeah google my name find my twitter my facebook and i'm around awesome well thanks for doing this my pleasure thanks for having me on thanks for joining us adam that was a really uh fun conversation um lots of really interesting information and edmonton has such a killer documentary scene going on that doesn't get enough attention i don't think so um you know whenever whenever the rosies come up uh there's always a documentary company that's, I think it's Clearwater is usually the company that, that has a ton of mm-hmm. nominations. They're usually third. It's a, it's a really busy world and um, we should dive into it more. I certainly want to. Um, so let us get into a little bit more of the news you can use. Um, obviously, keeping in mind that FAVA, CSIF, and M-Media, uh, I imagine QuickDraw as well, yeah. are all closed for the holidays. Yeah, happy holidays, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, upcoming deadlines. Um, Submissions are now being accepted for the Alberta Film and Television Awards, um, which we all call the Rosies. Uh, Entries are open until January 20th. Um, And if you're considering submitting for a few categories and you aren't an Ampia member, uh, definitely get your membership uh, before you submit because you can get a pretty great discount on submission costs. Um, And if you're submitting quite a few, you can actually pretty much the the membership pays for itself right there. Plus, of course, you get uh, a great many other things by being an Appian member. Absolutely. Uh, The Rosies will be held on Saturday, May 7th at the Hyatt Regency uh, in Calgary this year. So they're kind of alternating year to year, which is awesome Mm -hmm. between Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, What's shooting, Matt? So uh, we've got Heartland having just wrapped up production on season nine. So congrats on that. I mean, can't say enough about that show already long ago across the milestone of being the longest running Canadian drama of all time. Um, and it continues to uh, power forward. So obviously hoping for a season 10 on that. And uh, as soon as we get that news, we will let you know. Um, they had the wrap party uh, and uh, now they all get to take some really well-deserved Christmas time off. So congrats to those people. Yeah. Uh, events. What's going on? 
Oh, uh, the Calgary International Film Festival is having, uh, I believe, their annual Oscar party. I know I've heard of it before, but this is the first time I've really seen the details. So it's it's a, like a dress-up event that that happens at the Engineered Air Theater. Um, you get fancy, you get champagne, there's food. It, it looks like a really good time. It's happening, of course, on Sunday, February 28th. Um, and the Oscars are airing that night on CTV. So be sure to check that out if you can't attend. And uh, tickets for that event are on sale now. Um, and you can check out calgaryfilm.com for more information. Uh, Quick Draw Animation Society in Calgary um, has been looking for a stable long-term solution for a location. Uh, and they're now announcing that they think they found something. Um, but of course, they want to hear um, from their membership as far as uh, how they can best use the space, what sort of services they should be providing in the new space to their members. Uh, so they're having an information session on January 7th at 6.30 p.m. Uh, this will creep up on you because we're all taking time off for the holidays. Yeah. Um, so it'll suddenly be on Friday or Thursday. It's a Thursday. Mm. So check out quickdrawanimation.ca for more info on that session. It's a cool building that uh, sadly will no longer be uh, available for arts uh, organizations. I, I assume M Media is also just down the hall there, and they, yeah, yeah. Will, they will be relocating soon, I'm sure, as well. Uh, and Ampia has announced a brand new conference um, called Story Summit, which looks pretty cool. It's taking place uh, at the Banff Center on March 4th and 5th. And uh, the description is listed as Story Summit 2016, addressing new approaches to storytelling, innovating with technology and creating sustainable and innovative production and business models of media content. Uh, so lots more news coming soon. There's only a couple speakers announced so far, but it looks like a very uh, cool uh, cutting edge event. And you should check out storysummit.ca for more information on that. There's a networking event coming up in Edmonton called the Edmonton Film Prize Mixer. It's on Tuesday, January 12th. It's at the Dr. Paul Byrne Hall uh, in the Roberts Health Learning Center. And that goes hand in hand with uh, the announcements of the winner of the Edmonton Film Prize and the Edmonton Music Prize. So if you're in Edmonton, uh, it's a great place to uh, shake some hands and make some friends. Great networking event sounds like and obviously a cool um, prize for whoever wins it. Yeah, definitely. Job calls. Yes. Uh, Mosaic Entertainment in Edmonton is currently hiring two positions, an executive producer assistant and a manager of business affairs. This is a great company, uh, kind of friends of ours. Yep. We went to the NSI with them. They're awesome. Uh, and they're producing some of the best homegrown content in Alberta, including Delmar and Marta, Tiny Plastic Men, and movies like Truck Stop Bloodsuckers. And it's not my fault, and I don't care anyway. Uh, check these guys out if you haven't already and learn more about these two positions at mosaicentertainment.ca. Uh, so we're introducing a quick new segment on the new podcast. Segment. Yeah, I'm cool. excited about this. This is Matt's idea. I can't believe we haven't done this before. It seems it seems obvious, but we're gonna every week we're gonna recommend to the audience something that they should do or consume. It maybe should be a piece of content that they should consume. Well, mine's not content. All this right, week. Well, fuck. This is a recommendation section. Right. Uh, well, yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, it just be something that we recommend. I see what you're recommending. We have notes here, guys, and uh, I wonder. Yeah, it's just a recommendation of, of in, in general. Yeah, it's a, yours is good. I mean, I can't I can't deny that. But mine is uh, the WTF podcast uh, with Mark Marin, who you know it's a podcast that has been very high profile for a very long time. It's kind of the podcast of records, especially around comedians. Uh, but 
he's interviewed the president um, and has uh, just a, a wealth of, of great content. But the reason I bring it up today is because most recently, or one of the most recent podcasts is with uh, super producer Brian Grazer, who often works with Ron Howard and has done everything from Mermaid to uh, The Da Vinci Code to like just the longest uh, list of... And How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> Apollo 13. Like just, he's, he's got a massive... He's done everything. Massive. Yeah, he's, he's great. Yeah. So... Um, he tells a great story about how he got started and how he actually wasn't that big a movie fan originally. Like he just kind of fell into it. Um, but it's, it's, it's just peppered with such great advice for anyone starting out. Uh, and while we're not Hollywood, certainly a lot of the same ideas translate. So sure. definitely take some time this, this Christmas season and listen to that podcast. It's, it's only about an hour and a half and it's definitely worth your time if you're interested in getting started. Um, yeah, and the same goes for kind of new screenwriters or if you're thinking about trying to try your hand at screenwriting. Um, my recommendation for this holiday season is the free open source script writing software called Celtex. Uh, C-E-L-T-X dot com. Um, it's, it formats your script for you um, and it's a, a, the free alternative to Final Draft, which uh, is a couple hundred bucks, I think. Yeah, I remember yeah. when Final Draft was $700. Yeah, so I, I mean... I don't think it's that expensive it's, anymore. It's but... prohibitively expensive yes, anyway, especially yes. if you're kind of just starting out. Um, I still write on Celtex. Most people that I, I know write on Celtex now. Um, it does the job just fine. So um, take some time this Christmas to make something and uh, write a little script. And I believe it's got some integration with uh, with like scheduling. Yeah, and, it has, and, they, have, they have other kind of ancillary, mm -hmm. ancillary products that... Uh, that work well with it. Um, mm -hmm. You can break down your script and, and all that kind of stuff. They do have, of course, upgrading features um, where you can kind of co-work on stuff and, and pay them a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, so definitely check them out, celtx.com. Highly recommend it because actually, it's and it's good time to bring it up just for me because I've people have thrown a few scripts my way lately and they haven't been formatted at all. And, it, and, and it's not like, oh, I'm not going to read it until you format it properly. But like, I'll be like, oh yeah, I'll read this in a couple days, but I open it up and looked at it and I can tell you right now you need to use Celtics. It's free and you need to get it formatted properly and one of the big reasons for that is because of scheduling and timing certainly ad's know to break down a script based on how much page space it takes up so it's really important to to use the same formatting across the board so that an ad can can schedule a, a movie yeah i mean it also it also is the stamp of a professional filmmaker exactly. if you send someone a script exactly. that's been written in word right um Oh, this it's an it's a red flag yeah. automatically. So it doesn't mean the story's bad, but no, it definitely does mean that you're not yeah. as experienced because you, you, that's just the standard. That's just industry standard. And and it's like anything. I mean, it's like a resume that's poorly formatted or has has terrible grammar. It's one of those things that people who are reading scripts just like resumes are looking for a reason to not read it anymore mm -hmm. because they have a hundred others on their desk. So if it's not formatted properly, that's an easy an easy kill for I your script. I think so. your recommendation trumped mine. Well, <laughs> let's listen to the Brian Grazer podcast right, right. first. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, okay. So if, uh, if we got any info wrong, uh, or if you're Patrick Creary and we said that you're in a movie that you weren't, <laughs> or if, if we missed something, let us know. And we say this every week, but, um, this is not our podcast. This is for Alberta filmmakers. So if there's some sort of news you want to share, um, let us know and we'll, and we'll definitely share it. Uh, or if you have an idea for the podcast or you want to be on the podcast, um, we've had definitely a few requests, um, and we are trying to fill those out as soon as we can, but, uh, it's not saying that we're not taking them. So let us yeah, know. Yeah, no rush. We're going to get everybody on at some point and uh, it's going to be great. I also wanted to throw a big thanks to Ampia and Studio Post for letting us use the space to interview Adam Scorgi for this Scorgi for this episode. Um, and uh, always appreciate that. 
so that's it. Uh, what, what haven't we mentioned? You got to email us at hello at abfilmcast.ca if you want to get in touch. And we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud. It's all abfilmcast. And definitely subscribe on iTunes. Don't forget to rate five stars if you, if you can. We've been appreciating that. Some of you have been. Much thanks for that. And uh, yeah, Merry Christmas and mm-hmm. Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. Crazy Kwanzaa, that's what it is. Happy holidays and uh, whatever whatever the best wishes that you most relate to. Uh, we wish everyone the best this holiday yeah, season. have fun. Yeah, thanks for listening and... Uh, be safe. Be safe. And go make something. Oh, we didn't say it together. One, two, three. Go make go something. Go make something. <laughs>